0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to an interseason episode of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers. And joining me, also as always, it's Matthew Stogden.
1: The needs of the sequel.
2: Way, the needs of the sequelizer. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't that the fucking truth? (laughs) Absolutely,
0: absolutely. And speaking of the truth, joining
3: us, it's Tim Mayton. He'll get no satisfaction out of me. He isn't going to see me beg. My,
2: you chivalric fool, as if the way one sequelizes matters. When the sequelizing is all there is, it matters.
3: <laughs> oh, tag team action duo!
2: <laughs> Double team in your
0: ass! Double team intro. Yeah. Well done, well done gentlemen. R- much appreciated. Going out big for the interseason finale. Because mm. this is what this is, ladies and gentlemen. Next week, we're starting season 10. God damn. Oh, oh my God. God. Not ready. No. No. <laughs> no way. Definitely don't feel ready for season 10. But we hope you do because we we're kicking off with a big, much requested banger. Mm. Before we get to all of that stuff, before we even get to the topic of the show, let's go to patreon.com slash sequelizers and say thanks to the people that make this show possible, that make the interseason possible and make season 10 possible as well. It is, of course, the lovely patrons. If you'd like to join them, you can go, as I said, to patreon.com sequelizers and get ad-free, early access, exclusive merch, exclusive episodes during the interseason. You've had three this season. We're going to have multiple Movie commentaries coming during season 10. We can have outtakes returning in the season as well. Loads of extra cool bonus stuff to get stuck into on Patreon. Mm-hmm. If you go up to the highest of the tiers, you can become an executive producer like these fine folks have done. Stuart Main. Jack!
1: There's a check Jack!
0: Xenos. I'm ready. Jonathan Firth-Clark No. Josh van der Sluice so James McDowell Then, Bubba said something I won't ever forget. I want to go home. Josh Miles Faster. Philip Morgan on two. Colin Thompson.
1: Can't wake up. Uh, uh, Wake up. Wake up.
0: And Hyper Dude Man. Long live the King thank you for your support executive producers as i said you make this possible the reason we had the mcu trilogy at the beginning of this interseason we're now up to 13 official interseason episodes don't get used to that that's not the full normal (laughs) format this was a special cool extra what 11 and a half hour MCU discussion. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> it feels like a lifetime ago, doesn't
3: it? Just yeah, it's
0: only a few weeks ago in the, in the grand scheme of Holy things. Holy hell,
3: yeah, yeah. When we were discussing like stuff from last season, and I was just like, that feels like so long ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah only like
2: three months. Yep. <laughs> that time for us as old men is a is a feels like a fantasy. Time is you... a lake. Yes, that I piss in.
0: <laughs> That's not the quote, because yeah. Matt's incontinent now. Because he's an old man. old man. Yeah. Well, speaking of being an old man, we are talking about mortality this week. Even going past being old into the whole concept.
3: We're going from the beach that makes you old to the beach that makes you dead. <laughs> <laughs> just called dead. Uh,
2: spoilers for old. That happens. <laughs> they get old enough that they die. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense.
0: There's a skeleton on or the poster.
2: They're so young that they die.
0: Are they Benjamin Button? <clears throat> Nah, so no. this, this is a fucking. Stupid That's the sequel, thing. the beach that makes you young. Ah, <laughs> just this giant mummy. The beach that young. makes no! you. Ben- the beach that makes you Benjamin Button. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a clunky title at all, and it's just called Benjamin Button. <laughs> Button Beach. Yeah, mm. specifically, we're going to be talking about and highlighting some of the most iconic, interesting, unpleasant, sad, all that kind of stuff. Arousing. Arousing? No, Matthew. All right. We're going to be talking about death scenes this week And yeah, be prepared for spoilers for a lot of movies Because it's just so hard. Talk, talking about character a, death is going to be an inherently spoiler-filled thing General universal spoiler
2: <laughs> warning Yeah, <laughs> if you like movies, we're going to spoil them <laughs> Yeah But also, there are some that have entered pop culture so overtly that it's like Oh, I knew that You've yeah. seen the movie? No, nah, i never seen it before in my life But I know that death Yeah Yeah,
3: and I think anything that's relatively recent will try and put a flag on the play and and give people a heads up. But coming into this episode, just be warned that we're talking about death scenes and you know some of those are meant to be shocking and surprising. Some of our
0: picks in the second half are relatively recent within Mm. the last sort of five to ten years or so. Mm. And some of them are much older than that, but you still might have seen the movie. So Mm. bear that in mind, especially when we get into the second half of the episode where we'll get into some picks of ours. yeah, And we'll talk about how we've categorized them, why we've picked them, and all that kind of stuff, as we usually do here on the end season.
2: That's actually a really good bridge to our opening point. Um, When somebody says, I'm going to watch a movie, oh, don't tell me any spoilers. What's the first spoiler people think of that's the most important one? Usually it's a character death. Who's died, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's a really interesting weight and gravitas (laughs) we give to death scenes over like, What's the story like? How it ends, or how um, he the graduates win. college?
0: Like, I mean, I guess that's a spoiler.
2: Like, yeah, but his dad does. a oh, oh. spoiler! Yeah. <laughs> they get together. <laughs> oh well, I kind of knew that was coming after the dad died. Ah, for come <laughs> on, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, yeah. it's it's so strange how we put in, such importance on that because I think reflecting reality, it's one of the biggest things that we worry about, think about that we, affects us all, et cetera, mm. et cetera, et cetera. There's a great bit in Jenny
3: Nicholson's video where she's discussing the second Fantastic Beasts film. Yeah. Where apparently when when people were at preview screenings and stuff, there was a lot of like PR gump about like don't don't let the secret out of, you know, the the twist that's in this film. Um, which I won't spoil here for people who haven't seen I'm it. I'm trying to remember what the twist is. It's, me too. It's, oh, it's, shit. it's stupid and ridiculous and extremely convoluted. Oh, and basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do know yeah, that Yeah, yeah. And, sorry. And to and basically, the last like, eight seconds of that film. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah like yeah, her yeah. point is that you know, obviously, when people like you had the, the the footage of like people being dicks when the sixth Harry Potter film came out and yes. driving past the bookstore, going Snape kills Dumbledore. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. it's like, how Spoiler would I even con? How would I even condense this into like? Yeah. A paragraph to be able to shout at someone to spoil it It's like
2: It's badly written Yeah
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah, it, it's, it's it's a really, really good point And it's the thing that um, we emotionally vest ourselves in um, A character getting dumped Or a character getting together with somebody Whether that's, you know, literally sex or a marriage, or a long relationship, wherever it happens to be, mm. whatever form you want, depending on what genre you're watching most of the time, um, has less significance than somebody I've either spent a fraction of the time with or an entire movie with. But let's face it, under a couple of hours, not being a part of the movie. And I said this to you guys before we started rolling. Technically, as if there are no sequels and it's not a franchise, every character dies at the end of the movie because <laughs> there's no continuation <laughs> of the story. We just yeah. don't see it. It's, it's literally what me as a, as a child was watching Snow White. Um, I was always very... Not concerned. I always had a little bit problem understanding they lived happily ever after as a sentiment. I'm like, I don't get it. I was like, mm-hmm. well, you know, they just go off and say, like, yeah, but what happens next? Mm. Do they have kids? Do they move into a new house? Mm. Do they go live with the dwarves now? What, what mm. is it? They die, right? And then Walt Disney was
3: eavesdropping on that And turned to Michael Eisner And was like, we've got to get this kid some v- Directed VHS sequels
2: He needs to know, he literally needs to know um, And also, let's give him some origin stories as well Just in case he bumps up about that yep. But it, yeah, and it, and it always is the same way They die Because that's, that's how everything uh, Well, unless it's like, you know You could even say, well, that's not technically true You Think about Gandalf, you know, he's like a 10,000 year old creature yeah, I still watch that motherfucker die. A lot. <laughs> um, it's, it's fascinating that the period of time is, is almost irrelevant sometimes. Mm. Well, and I think, you know, the, the reason that deaths are most considered
3: spoilers to kind of yep. leap off of that point is because when it's a death we care about, it usually comes at the end of the film because we've had you time the to time. then yeah. get to know that character. There's obviously several films that, ha- that start off with death or have mm. a death. You know, in the first half or whatever, but usually that's more, and we'll get into this. We of right, a, like, yeah. that is something that can be used to kick the plot into motion. Yeah, you like, care later, basically. Yeah, mm. like, would you consider it a spoiler that Uncle Owen
2: and Aunt Baru die in Star Wars, they- or, or Uncle Ben in Spider Man? Yeah, yeah, that's a very, yeah. but and yeah, it's a, one of the most impactful moments. Less so, Baru, unless you're watching. Martha and Thomas Wayne. One, oh god! <laughs> fucking hell! <laughs> those goddamn pearls. A billion times in
0: slow yeah, motion yeah. with all the pearls.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, technically, the, the most recent iterations of Spider-Man and Batman. I do not believe this is, this is a spoiler because um, they've been very heavily publicizing this stuff. Don't uh, show the death of Uncle Ben or the Waynes, as yeah. in they don't actively start yeah. with the scene we expect. Yeah, but the impact of it is is
0: is seen yeah. and felt. The Batman. Pattinson's Batman spends the whole film moping about his parents and complaining mm. about them and stuff, yeah, and being very emo so <laughs> you're totally right that the impact is felt there and I think mm. more so like emotionally than any other Batman we've seen before but not having that scene because I was so fucking worried after what they did in BVS where he <laughs> oh. fucking floats up out of the well carried by bats and, mu- <laughs> and I took some friends who are not comic book people at all mm. and they turned to me with like, who's that What's going on? What's that kind of thing? <laughs> I'm, I'm the nerdy reference point for them. And they, after we watch it, they'll be like, so who was that guy? What was that thing? <laughs> they're straight up. My friend Sophie had no idea that was Wonder Woman.
2: No, it's, yeah, of course. Like, they
0: never call her Wonder Woman. And she's no. like, yeah. wait, was that Wonder Woman? I was like, yeah, yeah, it was. Why didn't they say so? She's getting her, she's getting her own film. She's like, mm. why? I was like, excellent question. I mean, technically, <laughs> they don't call Superman, Superman. No, they're, Superman they are Man of Steel. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And having that moment where I was like, oh, no, we're going to get the fucking Pearls again. We're going to see them outside Zorro or I think if somebody worked out if it, it should be Shrek. It should oh, be yeah, Shrek, because yeah, yeah, it's it yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, Oh, my God. Because Robert Pattinson's like a similar age to me. So that would be like, yeah. OK, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, God. But yeah,
3: I think we came out of see, seeing Shrek 2 and was like... <laughs> Ah, Puss in Boots. That's the person I shall emulate. <laughs> oh
1: my god,
3: <laughs> Everything
0: comes full circle. Uh, god damn. <laughs> it's this thing where they can really have an impact even if they're not explicitly seen on screen and not explicitly shown. Yes. Especially if they're already tied to that pop, pop culture thing we t- touched on earlier. Like Everyone knows Uncle Ben dies. Mm. It'd be very difficult to be a Spider-Man fan and be excited about a Spider-Man movie and not know with great power comes great responsibility. All mm. that whole spiel. But yeah, it's an interesting thing because I think it can also be used in very different and subversive ways in films as well. Killing off a main character off screen is also a thing that's done a lot. yeah. yeah. Mm. And then contrasting that, having a character that somehow survives for like 15 minutes and is <laughs> fighting guys off and doing mm. all this stuff. Death yeah. can be handled in so many different ways mm. in cinema mm. to great effect both like comedically, emotionally, horrifyingly and and everything yeah. in between. Yeah.
3: Well like think about like the the trick that Hitchcock plays in the audience in Psycho. Yeah. You know, where you're like, "Oh, okay, I've got I know who my main character is
2: now." Oh, no. She's dead. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> this will be the end of the movie. Uh, middle. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, th- that's Again, uh, you could talk about the idea of the film starting with the death really leans itself in certain genres. So for example, with Psycho, it's a, it's a twist later that, uh, that spoiler, I guess, <laughs> Norman Bates' mum is dead. Yeah. Um, but if you think about something like a lot of crime dramas, how many of them start with a body in an alleyway and then mm-hmm. someone just finds them or alternatively. You know, a great thing like if you're like on, a, on like a D and D campaign, or you're reading a good novel, mm-hmm. or and it starts with the king is dead, and mm-hmm. there's, you know everything is in ruin, and param- yeah. and the forces are moving. These aren't the heroes who are dead, but they've caused these things to come about to start spinning out of it. Mm-hmm. Everything is from that moment, and then sometimes you see them, sometimes you don't. So sometimes it's like a title crawl. Um, Many, what the dead speak, for example. Don't, in... don't even fuck it. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was thinking about you Star Wars. for long enough. I was, I was because like... I was thinking about Star Wars and I was thinking about the opening of New Hope. I think myself, actually, no, because yeah. we see that in Rogue One. So I'm not sure I count anymore. <laughs> but no, things like, um, say, say Watchmen for argument's sake. Oh, yeah. I think there's wear. a story about Jeffrey Dean Morgan, me handed a script for Watchmen and saying, Who am I playing? Is that it's like the comedian. reads the first three pages, dies in the first three. I'm not doing this. <laughs> What's the point? It's like, And then keep reading Mm. It's like, oh, he's like one of the most important characters Oh, okay (laughs) Because again They are and aren't the most important character At that point Somebody who stumbles into a room And collapses on the floor It's like, oh, who's this random person They're the carrier of a virus that kicks off an entire movie Mm. And it's like, oh shit They may not be the main character But their death is felt as an impact As a ripple, as a wake, as it were I think, you know, this this kind of gets us into the real
3: meat of the subject Mm. which is you know what what does death mean in a story in in a in a in a film or more generally in in fiction yeah you know and the answer is it can mean so many damn things oh god yeah but it's also it's one of those things that's universal unfortunately (laughs) you know it's true everybody at some point in their life has to deal with death and We as a society have come up with, uh, you know, societies around the world throughout Mm. time and, you know, throughout history have come up with so many different ways of interpreting it and dealing Mm. with it and coping with it. And so it makes it a fascinating thing to put into a story and therefore a film, either as an inciting event, as something that happens along the way, or as a thing that happens quite naturally at the end of your story, you know, because especially with something like a biopic or a drama when you're trying to take these you know human lives don't tend to necessarily fit neatly into what we think of as like a, you know a three-act structure or, yeah, or any yeah. kind of narrative you know framework because life is complex and it doesn't actually have a story to it yeah but we know it ends in death <laughs> uh, Yeah, you know yes. and so it you know, if you're doing, like I say, a biopic or something, you kind of know, unless you're, to my mind, doing something more interesting and taking a slice mm-hmm. of a person's life and examining that. But if you're doing the kind of the old school thing of like, we're going to take this person's entire life and tell the whole story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We know where it's ending up. It's with their death, and then, and naturally, the question that asks you, that you ask at that point is, well, what did this life mean?
2: That that's it. That's exactly you know,
3: it. this person has now died. What does their life mean? Um, but then you can look at all the other ways that death can impact us, you know, uh, even something like, I mean, you just mentioned like the king is dead. Yeah. These things that where a death can trigger something on a huge societal level. It's like, Oh, there's going to be upheaval. Now you look at, you know, Franz Ferdinand dying and kicking off world (laughs) war one and you know, all those kind of things. Deaths can have, They can be very personal things. They can Mm -hmm. be us, Mm -hmm. yourself dying. They can be your family, your friends, you know, all these kind of, you know, loved ones and stuff. Yeah. That has this incredibly personal impact on you. Or it can be a thing that is kind of has plot impact to life you know in a way (laughs) yeah you know it's it's that thing of you know we you know everyone of a certain age remembers where they were when princess diana died Mm. because it was such a huge thing in our society i was really annoyed i couldn't watch
0: the simpsons because it took over the tv for like two days Uh, yeah i tried to watch simpsons when i came back
3: from school and i was like What's all this stuff on the
0: TV? I want to watch my Simpsons. Yeah, I remember oh, really?
3: the funeral was on a Saturday morning and then live and kicking wasn't on as a result. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Yes. Yeah. Be in mourning, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Saturday morning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a pun, but I don't allow
2: it. Um, <laughs> no, out of <you> respect. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's, a really, it's a really valid point. I mean, there's, some would... You could easily argue the very... Definition of being alive is that you die at some point. Otherwise, mm. you just exist constantly because the universe dies. Everything dies. That's that's a, a, a constant. Um, Aren't you glad you tuned into this cheery episode, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> We're recording
0: this on a Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah. But Yay, if the you, sun is shining
2: outside, <laughs> just, it's really nice. It is a lovely day today. Perfect day for death. Death comes in all forms in all weathers. Um, but yeah, we we have an association. Um when it comes to to fiction um and as tim said it's either it kicks off a story and it can have a, like huge societal impact it could be a personal thing um all these bits and pieces but it's relatable and when you actually start nailing it down i mean this is something like when i say like, oh guys have you ever thought about food in films and like, no why the fuck would I do that? have you thought about transport in films why the fuck would i do that mm. you know and then you go if you, once you see it you can't unsee it it's probably easier or sorry quicker i should say to name films that don't have any form of death in them. Because <laughs> when you start thinking about it, almost every film is like, well, no, sure, surely not. Surely you're going to be like little kids about every Disney <laughs> film, every <laughs> Pixar film deals with it in theory. There's all these factors mm. um, and, and theories and things. And it's, it's very rare you'll get a story that is devoid of death. Mm. Um, the, the way you tend to see it is nursery rhymes. The world exists and starts and ends with the start of that story there's a really like simple fable sort of shit you know Mm. the kid wakes up in the morning wherever it happens has their little adventure the world isn't a thing that's going on at the same time Mm -hmm. everything that person is experiencing is a thing it's like well there's no death there fair enough because you're not talking about it Mm. if you're doing actually any form of you know complex story it's there Uh, it's just because when it's been shown so you're asking about like you know why is death put into things in fiction Mm. um and it's a really good question um there are two answers in my mind. One is to elevate the emotion and the uh, importance of a situation or a scene or a development. And I think that
0: can be used uh, clumsily in narratively and very like, much so. Like mm-hmm. try to try to pay off on something that you haven't really earned and that kind of thing. Yeah. And you're definitely. totally right. I think a lot of people go in with good intentions of that. Right. Oh, I'm going to kill off this character. Everybody's going to cry.
2: Yeah. Going to be a big moment. Mm. And everybody's like.
0: Huh. Okay. Cool. What's
2: next? Yeah. There are <laughs> there are arguably two or three, I mean there's lots really, but there are two or three big deaths in Endgame uh, as in Avengers. Yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of deaths in endgame. <laughs> yeah. But there's there's like two or three like really, really standout ones and you forget most of them because there's one really big overshadowing one. Yeah. You can go, mm. I remember that one. And you're like, what about this one? Oh yeah, they're dead too. Oh mm. shit, I forgot about that. Because again, you can sometimes a war movie does that quite a lot. Mm. It's why they'll like, you know, they'll be um signposting where you go like, hey guys, how you doing? We're going out in battle. Gosh, I just can't wait to get <laughs> home to my uh, my sweet dame. Here's a picture. I was like, what are you doing? Do you want to die? Not to, not to touch on the MCU too much, but
0: that's Age of Ultron, right? That's the whole... ah. Oh look, it's Hawkeye's family. Mm-hmm. And everybody who knows anything about the structure of filmmaking <laughs> or comic books or anything yeah, like yeah, that yeah. was like, he's going to die. Mm-hmm. And then they, they really, really, really hint at that mm. constantly. And then it's like, Oh, you didn't see that coming. We've known Quicksilver for like five minutes. Yeah. yeah. I didn't mean. see it coming, but don't care either. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, if only Hawkeye had died,
2: I mean, um, it would have made an actual fucking impact. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. But having because I mean, imagine going into Civil War and like Clint died for this sort of thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Anyway, but at the same time, there is the other way of doing it. And we've kind of just hinted at there writing uh, death as a cop out. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it's one of the most... And I, I, we, anyone who's ever written anything down suffers from this shit. If you do like a fucking, you know, a tabletop RPG sort of campaign or if you're doing a school fucking short story, <laughs> someone's going to go, I'm going to put a death in here. It'll be really important. Or it's going to be about death. And it's like, any reason? Or even like, I can't work out how to end this. I'll just kill them off. I'll kill them mm-hmm. off. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like... Is it because you feel there's going to be an actual impact? Is it going to have a lasting thing? No, it's for shock value or because I couldn't figure out what to do with the character. Like, no. Is it, this, this actually, actually, this kind of neatly solves everything. It's like, have you ever in your actual lived experience known of a death to solve every problem? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it ties up all the loose ends, right? I mean, here's, here's a really very stark thing from history. Hitler shot himself in the face like an idiot. Because, you know, a douchebag. But the point is, his official
0: stance. Hitler was a douchebag. Yeah, there we go. Yep.
2: Oh, 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 we, we
0: don't like to get political in the show too much. No. but we take a firm stance. Yeah, we take we
2: take a firm stance when we need to. Yeah. No. But the point is that he, you know, Mussolini was dragged through the streets and beaten and hung up later from a fucking post by the Italian people, mm. and you're like, good. Um, and you know, Stalin pissed himself. But the the legacy of those dickheads never sort of died. Mm. You still have. We still have fucking Nazis because, yeah. Yeah. They, and yeah. that's a different thing entirely. But the point is that you think, ah, but, and this is, this is a classic childlike mindset, and it was a thing people do when they're going to war. If I just kill Osama Bin Laden, everything's okay. Yeah. If I just kill Putin, everything will be fine in Ukraine. It's like, that's, unfortunately, what fiction dictates to us, because of bad writing. It's, yeah, it's, ha- it's, the reason we
3: think like that in a lot of ways is because of fiction. That's correct. Because yeah. we're told that, oh, okay, well, you've killed the bad guy, then the story's over, and everything's yeah. going to be fine. It's like, no, because most real bad guys are more symptoms of like systemic problems and yeah. cultural stuff and you know an individual doesn't
2: is not they could be is a, not the fucking emperor from Star Wars. <laughs> which Ooh, also that, came back fucking thing yeah mm. <laughs> um yeah they're not an avatar of all your suffering it's mm. like mm. stop this is the uh, the one the one thing i actually really hate in fiction in terms of death scenes is uh in a fantasy sort of setting or a horror setting like we just need to find the head vampire or the head zombie and everything goes back to normal. So like, mm. that's very, very convenient. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That,
0: that really became a thing in sci-fi and fantasy. Yeah. Like blow ten, up the mothership. 10 years ago, we blow up the mothership, mm. destroy the thing. And like, oh no, now all the, the drone ones are also exploding. Like, what a happy coincidence. Oh, they all just go and just power yeah. down. Mm. How convenient. Problem solved. Like. Yeah.
3: I mean, it makes sense from a narrative point of view where you go, well, then you have a single action that is the most high stakes thing. Yeah. You have well, Iron Man, yeah, of you have Iron Man guiding the missile through the portal yeah. to blow up the mothership yeah. in the in Avengers, and he has to, you know, he's maybe gonna die as a result of it, but it's gonna be worth it because it's gonna take out all the aliens. Whereas having it just be like, Well, he blew up that thing. Oh, we've still got all these aliens then on We've Earth. got to spend another we twenty just... minutes clearing it all yeah. up. <laughs> like that is another
2: twenty films, you mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah,
3: like that is real and messy yeah, and yeah. not satisfying from a narrative point of view and it also means that you can't have that single moment of like well, this is all important all this tension comes to this moment like yeah. it's understandable why film writers and filmmakers do it yeah and why no, that, producers yeah. want those moments yeah i think it's you know i think one of the good things about the wonder woman film is that it undermined that it went like oh yeah you've killed Ares."
2: it's like no we're still going yeah there will be more war yeah in fact worse war yeah um yeah you're you're entirely right it is it's unfortunately it's something that only people who have been to war probably understand which is that if i just kill the guy in front of me everything's okay it's like there will always be a guy behind that guy yeah always be someone else you have to kill Mm. because you're not that that's in in a strange way that actually isn't your objective yeah that you don't actually factor into the objective if I'm honest mm. because it's about diplomacy at the end of the day it's about n- compromising things i mean to to misquote uh, in the loop statistically you have to end up with more guys when the other guys are dead otherwise <laughs> you both lost the yeah. war <laughs>
3: and uh, you know war movies make for such an interesting like case study for death scenes because obviously you have these you know amazing drawn out death scenes that you get all the you know oh look here's a photo of my best girl i keep it tucked in my helmet and you know and uh, then oh no now we're gonna go over the top oh now i'm dead um all those kind of cliche moments but you also have people dying in droves you know and obviously we pick the moments that we're going to focus on whenever we tell a story that's just the nature of it yeah of course and I think, you know, there's what's the, the, you know, one death is a tragedy, a thousand deaths is a statistic. Oh, the yeah, classic thing. Stalin, yeah. You yeah. know, you think, of, you think of Saving Private Ryan as an example. Yeah. The storming of the beach, how much death there is on both sides, you know, mm. Allied troops getting massacred and then Nazi troops getting massacred as well. Yeah. The, the function of the deaths in those scenes is very much to batter the audience with the meaningless of it all oh the abhorrence to it all the, uh, exactly. yeah, yes the, yes yeah. the, the horror of war which is just that all these people are dying and it is for a meter of sand it is yeah, to make yeah, that yeah. thing and obviously we know that in a lot of the world war Two was kind of the last quote quote moral war you know and sure. the nazi germany had to be stopped and that you know there, there were all these abhorrent things going on on both sides but you know it's still so horrific just the scale of people dying in that thing yeah but then you also have moments where the individual death is focused in on and you get these very tragic death scenes that often take a bit longer Mm. you know because the filmmakers want the audience to really feel that death but you can't do
2: that for every soldier on Omaha Beach. That, <laughs> you know, that's you when co- you spin into comedy. That's when you go to pure satire. Every time yeah. somebody gets shot, no matter who it is on which mm. side, the the film slows down and big sort of orchestral you know strings yeah. come in. You go, oh, it's but hang on, hang on, hang on, someone's just died over there. Quickly, yeah. it's, you know, it's it is, and then you you go you push through
3: that and you get something yeah. like in Austin Powers where oh he, yeah, yeah, like you know you've got the the, the kind of the james bond analog killing henchmen which is something we've seen james bond do so many times yeah and then it stops the film and has the you know the wife and the family back home being informed that you know like oh he's been run over by a steamroller you know and it's like yeah yeah, there's still people that he's just killing yes and judo chopping you know
2: yeah i think it's the (laughs) limit the limits of the webbing of fiction uh, in all forms, video games, uh, to be fair, fucking songs, everything mm, yeah, is. Yeah. The idea that you've got, you have to, you have to fucking put a ring around something. You have to say these things are important, these things aren't. Yeah. Because otherwise you're going to say, like, uh, I mean, the best example in songs is like, you know, when there's like, I love you and you love me, but there's someone in between us and what happens mm. to be the situation in the music and there's like a sort of like a love mm. triangle and you're like, okay. That's a lot of people to factor in. No, no, the only two people that the the ones we're focusing on here, it's mm-hmm. like, but the third one's an important factor. It's like okay, and are they in a relationship as well? Yeah, probably. They fancy other people too. Then that's more things you have to factor into. <laughs> do people like them? And it's the, it's almost like the 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 uh, the high school drama. There's only the cool <laughs> main kids, and everyone else around them tends to be the sort of like you are irrelevant unless yeah. we want to really pull you in or do a, a fucking jaw drop moment. Of like oh my god, you are the main character, the one observing in the background mm. the whole time. Fuck you. But in terms of death, you're right. The the absurdity mm. of it, and the um, in, in a warlike setting, for example, yeah, you have to give some sort of through uh, thread to the whole thing um, to give it meaning. Mm. I don't mean meaning in the sense of like, oh, it has to mean something. Yeah. But more cognitively, you can't keep up with that. No, it means nothing.
3: And the 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 best films that are dealing with death on that scale manage to walk that line where you get both the the horror of the scale of it and the tragedy of each of personal. individual yeah. personal life being, you know, ended early. Yeah. Um, I you know, d- and I, I would say something like Save a Private Right does that really
2: it well. It does, yeah. You know, one that tries and kind of bungles it, kind of gets it right, is a, com- a combination feature by uh, Clint Eastwood, which is Flags of Our Fathers and Letters of Iwo Jima. Mm. It's two separate movies about the same fight. Yes. Um, and you can watch them as standalones. Thanks to my father's is fine. <laughs> it's okay. I get it. It's about the fallout of these things and being whisked away and yada yada yada. And it's it's very good. Letters from Iwo Jima is great. Mm. That's a solid story. But then when you watch them in tandem, you're like, because obviously you always have these movies trying to tell both sides of the story, whatever it happens to be death and things. But it's it's yeah, a better way of doing it. But this this again, great segue, because the reason we care about these things, you know, the reason we want to see. So and so, get across the beach or, you know, get out of that burning building, wherever it happens to be, or fight that disease and live, or whatever mm. it happens to be, is the performance. Mm. And the actors are usually the reason you go, <laughs> fuck off. Or, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not okay with this. I can't, I, I need to stop. I can't think about mm. it. I'm going to cry. That kind of thing. It's the performance thing. So, because when we talk about, you know, uh, Acting. (laughs) Acting. With a a capital A A A and a pinched hand. A capital A and an unspoken K in the middle. Acting. (laughs) Um, Actors love the idea of dying. Mm. Specifically on stage. Because they get to do it every night. Um, Because it's seen as a beautiful thing to do. It's where all the attention is on you. Mm. Every single word you eke out is with you know ev- everyone hangs on that every sound and word just in case everyone's watching your the the minutiae of your performance to see if like oh god, oh god are they dying that kind of thing um mm. and alternative on, on the same time if it comes out of nowhere you're the actor they're going to think about and talk about when they go out of the play or the film wherever it happens mm. to be you are the impact mm. so it's a selfish thing and that has a long long tradition oh
3: god yeah. like I mean hundreds of years you know. I don't, I don't, I'm sure it's the same in like theatre traditions in other cultures, but you just look at Shakespeare. Yeah. And go like, yeah, everyone who died, like, well, not everyone who dies, but the big famous deaths that you think of. There's always like a preceding or mid-death monologue. Oh Christ! Yeah, you know that that that's either here's all these reasons why I'm going to die now, mm. or oh I've just been stabbed. Now I'm going to talk for five minutes about yeah. the pain of it and all the what things. What futility! Haven't... This, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so yeah, that I mean that just filters down into our storytelling. Yeah. Um, what and makes almost, Romeo
2: and Juliet beautiful is that they both die in each other's arms. It's like, oh, yeah. how tragic! This is stupid. And they teenagers. And they Fuck em.
3: both get to make a speech about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking um, idiots. Yeah, and it's and it's very much what we when when people say death scene, it's that's kind of what we expect from it. And then yeah. you get the things that sub- subvert it when it's shocking and quick, and then that's memorable in a whole different way.
2: Entirely.
0: Yeah, that drawn out m- the monologuing specifically as they die in, the, in their lover's arms or something is like, become such a cliche. You're totally right, Tim, that so many people then do it in a different way and be like, no, they're just shot in the head and they're dead. And there's no mm. talking. There's no like, oh, he was shot in the shoulder and he's going to bleed to death slowly. It's like, mm-hmm. He is dead in an instant, cut his head off. Like yeah. There is no chance for monologuing here and you can mm. actually get filmmakers and writers doing that on purpose to try and subvert audience expectations Mm. and sometimes it can be really fucking shocking like outside of the film world the obvious like modern example i guess is game of thrones
2: Mm. sure sure like
0: oh yeah well fucking sean bean of course ned stark's gonna be the main Mm. character and then he gets his head cut off and you're like oh oh okay and and the camera cuts as the sword cuts his head off Mm. and you're like so is this like a dream sequence or something? <laughs> <laughs> it's the end of the season. It's the end of the season. So it's like, okay, so what happens now? Like, and as we, as we hinted at earlier, like, the whole thing of Game of Thrones is a power vacuum from the death of a king and death, character death became such a thing in Game of Thrones. Like, who's going to die next? Yeah. Yeah, it's the show yeah. that has the balls mm-hmm. to kill people. And that like concept of having the balls to kill off your main character, we're like, oh, that's such a new concept. Mm. We talked about psycho earlier. Talk about scream. You talk about all these things yeah, that have yeah. done it over the years. Mm. You're like, oh, yeah. I guess we're not really subverting expectations. You are because it's still the overall general cliche. Mm. Mm. But we've been subverting that expectation for 60, 80, 100, hundreds of years mm. through yeah. other, you know, Shakespeare plays and all this kind of stuff as well and, and yeah. on stage and things like that. But I think it became. Such a cliche in sort of the 80s and the 90s, this big, drawn out, over the top, oh, last final gasping moments of death. And not saying like the last final word, your son's real name is. I'm
1: <laughs> like,
0: okay, bro. Oh, yeah, brilliant. yeah. Classics of the, that the, classic in the poison. Python. You know, <laughs> yes. Yeah. <it's>,
2: yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? It just says, <laughs> <laughs> okay. You wrote that out? Yes. Oh, okay.
3: I mean, yeah, they Python plays with it a lot because I yeah. mean, they have the mm-hmm. the. I can't remember the character's name but his his squire who gets shot with the arrow and then is like I'm feeling a little bit better oh, <laughs> it's like yeah. no no no, no, I no, I no it was like it. yeah uh, yeah yeah and all that stuff and and that's yeah I mean yeah I think it's been a, a cliche and one that people have been subverting and and hold it, holding a kind of mm. mirror up to for a long while which
2: usually is the death of something oh mm. fucking fuck it out Fuck my life. Unavoidable pun uh, yeah, yeah, from Matthew yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, dog. Anyway, um, usually that marks the end <laughs> of 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 a certain cliche. It's like it's done through parody and satire so much that you can't mm. do it. Like you know, oh my God, we gotta get away. No, 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 the car doesn't turn over. Oh God, oh God, the engine isn't working. And as I always bring this up in Dublin Demons when it's first seen. Like that doesn't. Happen, I don't understand. <laughs> um, but when you see it so much, like, yeah, yeah, we know car doesn't start, oh, there now nah, nah, it's going, or like, oh, we defuse the bomb at one second, that kind of bullshit. yeah. But death scene cliches, it's like uh, the perfect example, Jack just brought up the whole like, I, I must t- tell you before I go, and it's like, oh, no, I'm not one great secret I never told
3: you, yeah, it's. <sighs> ugh.
2: But you still see a film where it does it properly and you go, fuck me, that's riveting shit. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing,
3: is that at the end of the day, like, cliches tend to not be in of themselves bad. It's when they are overdone and done. uh, And really, overdone means done poorly. Like, because, you know, to fucking go back to the MCU, like, people, there were, Points where people go, like, oh, well, surely everyone's tired of of superhero films. It's like, well, no, because they've maintained a high level of quality. If they were still pumping out, like, fucking Electras and Ghost Riders, then yeah, (laughs) Yeah. at the the rate that they are at the moment, you know, where we were getting eight of those a year, people would be like, why are you making these? They're terrible. Mm. But if something's good and you keep doing it, then people don't get tired of it. They just go, yeah, that was good. Mm. Next. Yeah. And I think that it shows in death scenes that if you get a good actor or set of actors or whatever, a good director, mm. good filmmaking behind it, a, a character that you have grown to care about and the death scene is executed well, yeah. then it doesn't matter if it if on paper it looks like a cliche of like, oh yeah, well, you know, we've been following this character for the whole thing and, you know, We've we've had a couple of mentions about, you know, their life back home. And then at the end, you know, during the big final battle, they get shot and they die. And they're they're this kind of mentor to this younger character. And then the younger, they get their last words to the younger character. And then the younger character kind of cries. And then they feel really inspired. And then at the end of the film, they kind of go, you know, they go visit the grave and say, like, I'm going to do a thing.
2: Tim has just leaked the Super Mario Brothers movie (laughs) plot. There's one thing I want to tell you. What is it, Chris Pratt? What? (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> <And> just, <Yeah. laughs> he just dies. Yeah, that's Toad he's ah, speaking ah, to yeah.
0: um,
1: Sorry, Mario.
0: <laughs> you know, Keegan Michael Key. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the fuck is that cast? Anyway.
3: <laughs> yeah. So you can have all those things that on paper you go like, oh Christ, that's so cliched. But then if it's executed well, you don't care you because don't care. no, because at the end of the day, a cliche is just a trope that has been done badly too many times. Yeah. That's true. And that's the fundamental tools of storytelling.
2: Yeah. No, entirely. And I think it's fascinating because we associate with certain things with genre as well. So you can take something that is a perfect example there, you know, something that's um gut wrenching or heart pulls the heartstrings Mm. and just really difficult to process, as death Mm. is in real life. Because as as you said at the top of the show, Tim, I mean there are two things one could argue all mythology and religions and just philosophies and just general understandings of science has come out of. And it's a whole understanding of like, why are we here? And what happens next? <laughs> and yeah. it's because it's like, what happens when this per- there's a beautiful title of a book, which is, uh, when breath becomes air. I fucking love that sentence. Mm. Uh, that, just that statement of like, you know it's it's like when your body dies it's like this is now a corpse mm. you you ch- mm. we change our language for mm. what it is it's like no that's that's still Deirdre. it's like yeah nah it's a body now it's 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 a different thing it's it's a transitional thing and and we've been trying to understand this as a species for so goddamn long And fiction mm. whether it's through folklore and tales and um mythology and all bits and pieces we've built up over the time or even religion it's just a way of coping with that shit yeah it's a way of saying it'll be okay. It's part of it. Mm. And uh, you see this, I mean, back to TV second, unfortunately, and then maybe it's ruin TV for some people. I was talking at work about someone who'd just seen the end of the Sopranos. Oh yeah. And they didn't understand the ending. And I said, well, there's no. It yeah, just cast to black, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I'm like it's, it's signposted. And the idea is you want to see something. So well, what happens is this is that. It says, Watch it from the main character's perspective. Imagine it is literally object permanence. The, the second the character closes their eyes, the film stops. You know, that idea that, hmm. This imagine you don't hear the gunshot. You just bang. You hit mm. the table. Oh, yeah. You wouldn't hear anything. You're dead. Mm. You you just it just just stops all of a sudden. Mm. That's what death probably is. We don't know, but that's what it could be. Yeah. It's hideously unsatisfying. It's like, is it? Is that in fact what death might feel like? Mm. Mm. Is it, does it matter to that character? Like,
0: you don't hear the gunshot that kills you, right? Because that, the bullet it, travels yeah. faster than... So you don't yeah. ma- see the fla- flash of the, yeah. the mm. muzzle, although they're not as big as they are this Films maintain yeah. films. But yeah, it's like, you don't hear the... <laughs> because no. by the time it would <laughs>
2: happen, you'd already be dead. You didn't see that
0: coming? Yeah. <laughs> Full circle,
2: yeah. ladies and gentlemen. But you take the genre of things where it's like, mostly, let's face it, a sad thing that we're like, mm. I don't want to say... Uh, let's, take, let's take an actual example. The Green Mile is all about death yeah. from start mm. to end. You know where it's going every step of the way and you go, okay. And you see it. you see many deaths go positively, negatively, people are willing, aren't willing, all that sort of stuff. Mm. By the end of it though, there's only one death you're thinking about and talking about and you're like, I can't, I can't see this. I mm. don't, don't want to feel this anymore. I don't, I don't want to, you know, and the performance is all about that, you know, and the direction everything about the movie. And then you get the last anymore, which is really a creepy end with the mm. whole Mr. Jangles. It's like, and it, you know it's it's Edgecombe saying if this little mouse has lived this long, I'm like oh god, oh god, maybe death is in fact a mouse. Best. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> in his own little <laughs> cowl. Um, no, but it's like, it, 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 sometimes it's like yeah, death is terrible and things, but but part of being alive is that you will want to die at some point. Mm. You want to to stop. This is why when you ever get like vampires or elves or shit, and it has mm. a moment of it. You never like Eternals for me bungled this a little bit. And I've never seen it done perfectly, if I'm honest, mm. where you have an actual creature that has been around for several lifetimes, several hundreds of mm. years, what does that do to your psyche? Yeah. To your mental outlook where everything is irrelevant. Um, like if we all lived like the life of a pet, which is obviously very tragic when mm. a pet dies, obviously. Um, but it's like, yes, but that's a part of your life. Mm. That pet is just known you. That's a whole that that's your experience, and you you carry on with what you're doing. Mm. It's it's such a strange existence, and so on. And so forth. Mm. But there is the other side of it, where you're going to go. I'm really looking forward to seeing this happen. I want to see this person dead. Now, sometimes you're like, I hate you. <laughs> I'm going to really enjoy when this character dies because it'll be satisfying. Mm. Which is again quite a psychotic thing to do. Mm. <laughs> it's quite sociopathic to want someone to end. But it's because they've been the impetus, the, the embodiment of all your suffering and misery mm. because of the film. But also, there is a gleeful joy that is not emotionally driven through uh, rage or sorrow. And that's like, yes, show me the death. A <laughs> um, little bit like Sopranos. And that usually comes out in things like slasher horror. Mm. Where we, we We're invested, obviously, but we like the deaths. We tally yeah. them up. I mean, it's as you said death is universal
3: it's only natural that we have something of a fascination with Course. it, both in the tragedy and sadness of it but also in kind of the brutality and mechanics of it yeah yeah you know and there's a reason that that true crime is popular there's a reason that mm. all these th- you know that we hear about oh you know Oh, there was this horrible murder the other day. It's like, oh, really? It's like, what happened? What happened? Tell, <laughs> yeah. t- tell me all about it. <laughs> With a chainsaw? Oh, my God. <laughs> to shreds, <laughs> you to say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Fucking brilliant.
0: <laughs> there's even YouTube channel, many of them, dedicated to like kill counts and death counts yeah, and stuff. Yeah. But Dead Meat is the one that really stands out. It's got nearly 6 million subscribers on YouTube. Oh, wow. And just does kill counts. They've now branched off into doing podcasts because of their success, obviously. But it started off as, name a film and you put death count or kill count or whatever it mm. is. Start off with loads of 80s action stuff as you can imagine all the like Arnie and Stallone yeah. stuff. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, your Rambo
3: 2.
0: We, we yeah. touched on it with Rambo. This, this is the exact channel I mentioned in the Rambo episode where the first one is like, no deaths. Eh, kind of two deaths, but kind of no mm. deaths. Yes, yeah, yeah. And then Rambo 2 is like, 140 deaths Then Rambo 3 is like 175 deaths and then by the time you get to like final blood and stuff it's like 465 (laughs) deaths he basically blows up this whole village it's like oh my god yeah and talking about the highest kill counts of like action stars and stuff that is that boiling it down to just uh oh it's just another henchman being killed like that has no impact like faces you you can watch Arnold Schwarzenegger in commando just mow hundreds of people down shirtless in a garden covered in bullets like mm. doesn't matter and then have a moment where like oh there's one death in this entire film and it's really fucking harrowing and yeah. impactful I'm like, oh okay yeah that's that's the i just watched like arnold sports i kill like 400 dudes but this is different for some reason because yes. of the acting, because of yeah, the way yeah. it's presented and all that kind of stuff
2: even even with comedy yeah. Hey, Sally, you remember I said I'd kill you last? You did, yeah. <laughs> I lied. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, it's sometimes you're like, yeah, good. Chuck him off the cliff. It, I mean, oh, oh. and then also there's things like a, 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 a separate thing. Um, if you think about how many deaths there are in theory on screen in 28 days later, you're like, yeah, God, oh, they, yeah. Yeah. they're really impactful. And like, oh, like the the scene where um, Christopher Eccleston's character turns. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah I get that entirely. Yeah. Sure. Um. Oh no, sorry, it was Brendan Gleeson's character specifically, sorry, yeah But the point is The story starts with most of Britain dead yeah. Technically, probably millions, are, millions and millions of people yeah. Dead. Yeah. That doesn't same mean shit but, to us Same with Planet of the Apes Oh god, yeah they I g- I always talk about the talk apes about kill count do... yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah The, the human population
0: <laughs> the, Yeah, the ape flu or whatever the hell it is The, the virus that goes around mm-hmm. Wipes out, they say like 60% of humans or something like that Yeah like, Oh so billions of people. Yeah. Off screen, just billions of people have yeah. died. But then you actually care about like, oh, one of the monkeys has died. Oh, that's very sad. Yeah. And then they get the little tears rolling down mm. their eyes and stuff. They're like, that's very sad. Mm. Forty billion like four billion <laughs> people just died like ten minutes ago. So I don't yeah. know them. <laughs> <Yeah>. I don't <laughs> see their faces. I don't see their immaculately CGI'd motion captured faces. It's worry about the apes. The apes are great. Yeah,
3: yeah like the the there's almost like a, a dark cinematic arithmetic to it of like Can I get that on a t-shirt, please, Tim? Uh, yeah. yeah. Dark cinematic
2: arithmetic. Dark cinematic arithmetic universe.
3: <laughs> of like if you if how how many seconds of like screen time a person has to have like for their death to matter kind of thing. Yeah. And like yeah. you know, oh okay, well, you know, it's uh you know, it's it's one of these, it's commando. Okay, we're going to kill 200 dudes, but each of them you're only going to see or for or for for the majority of them you're going to see them for about 3 seconds. Yeah. You know, and it's the the second that they jump onto screen, they start firing their AK-47 in a random pattern and then they get shot by Arnold Schwarzenegger or he throws a buzzsaw into their face or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um when he comes out that shed. Um <laughs> uh versus you know oh okay this character we spent a lot of time with so we're going to spend a lot of time with their death and it's going to matter and then you scout you go to the your disaster porn of the kind of 2000s Emmerichs. year emrex it's like oh okay you know uh the day after tomorrow you know everyone in new york apart from jake Gillenhall is going to freeze <laughs> to death but it's fine because we don't actually we never actually see them at all we see that the scale is so pulled back all you're seeing is like wave into building yeah Yeah, and you barely see people you know 2012 where the entire world is destroyed yeah
2: we're all quite calm about the fact that it's most except for those two boats yeah Yeah. weird
3: i mean Uh, it's because we don't spend we don't spend a lot of time with the people who are just you know in like in
2: carlisle just going like oh Weather's looking a bit weird. What's that they say on the news? Oh, now we're dead. But back to Titanic again. If I spend time with a character and I'm like, oh shit, that's, uh, that's the guy I saw him earlier. Yeah, oh, oh it's the
3: old couple who yeah. were in oh, the thing. That's, oh, oh,
2: that's, that's sad. No. <laughs> that's, that's an impact. Whereas, like, you go, <laughs> that fucker bounced off the propeller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You
0: get those, like, when it's supposed to be tragic but it's done badly, it's too funny. and you get bad CGI, or just bad acting, whatever, you're like, mm. oh, that didn't work like how you thought it was going to no. work, did it, director? No, it did <laughs> not. Well, whatever went wrong in that process went very wrong. I must be like, oh, that's really gory and tragic, or whatever. It's like, yeah. no, that's just funny. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like, they'll all feel... They'll be moved that, by this, like, no, we will not. That's very clearly a dummy that just bounced <laughs> off something. It's like, well, there you go. Well, any any classic movie. I mean, even like um, the very opening of Casino, like Scorsese mm. movie, because again, previously you would have VHS pausing and tracking was a very bit difficult thing to do. You can like freeze frame animation, it's a, So you can see just before the car blows up at the start, there's a jump cut to a dummy where Robert De Niro is, and you're like, "That's stupid." <laughs> there is, however, um, a because uh, again, we're talking about that. that there is a... a, a, a sometimes it's not even a time thing; it's just a putting somebody in there. If it's an actor, oh shit, famous. Pa- oh no, dead. Yeah. Well, um, there's the the speech in the first episode of community
3: where um mm-hmm. uh john mccow jeff winger says uh, you know i can i can hold up this pencil tell you its name is steve and do this crack the pencil in half and I a mean, part okay. of inside of you dies yeah. <laughs> yeah no that's
2: and this actually naming things is a is a perfect example by a little segue here because you could have a character on screen for a second go it's dead oh that's doesn't matter i don't care about the character have a few seconds longer. It's like, oh no, that guy. Fuck it up. I did not know his name. Does he get a name? No. Oh, but I felt that one. Mm.
3: Except. There's, there's a thing that Chris Claremont used to do in oh, yeah. X-Men issues all the time, which is where you'd have like these random side characters, usually at like the start of an episode. Yeah. Where it's like, and you'd get like these few little like telling details about their life where it's like, oh, you know, he's running late for 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 uh, baseball practice. Um, You know, he's part of this little, uh, this, you know, Uh, uh, Sort of after work team With his his old buddies You know And he's been really Reconnecting with them And now blimey's dead Yeah, it's like I give you just enough So that you start Connecting
2: with them And now they're
3: dead It's
2: like Why (laughs) did I invest All this time It's like Because that's what life is You fucking idiot Yeah (laughs) Um, There is a very Nihilistic mindset of like Hi how are you Oh no No I'm good thanks I don't know anything about you because you're going to die eventually. What's the point? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow. Well, I mean, you're not wrong. I don't want to form connections because connections are finite. Yeah, That's how e- we started e- Sequelizers. We were going to go, nah, we're all going to die at some point. And then we decided to do a podcast instead. Um, but thank we- God we did. What the world needs more is more white guys doing podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I've never talked to that. No, <laughs> it's just a um, fact. But there is an exception. So much so, again, it becomes shorthand. And that is where you go... Okay, they're not going to care about this character dying. It doesn't mean anything. How do I get the characters? Oh, I know. Bring me a dog.
3: Um, oh, no.
2: Dog, cat, bird, animal, tiger, fucking giant monkey, wherever it is, dinosaur, you bring it in for like a second. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, in it. No, 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 <laughs> they were innocent. No. And that is such a thing that there is a website
0: called com. Yeah. So if you are particularly sensitive to pet abuse or animal harming yeah. or mm. the dog dying in films, mm. you can put and that pretty it works with almost any film I've ever tried. Mm. Unless it's really obscure or sure, sure. particularly weird. Mm. It works. And, and it, it's a great warning mm. signal. Cause I know plenty of people I know who grew up with dogs or have dogs or have pets sort of and yeah. are very like pet driven people. I love my cat. Mm. I'm a very cat I'm a I grew up as a dog person. Now I'm a cat person. But like having this inherent connection, you're right about the innocence of animals as well, Matt. Like you, as much as you kind of anthropomorphize your pets, and plenty of people do, there's still that inherent innocence. Like, well, the dog didn't fucking do anything. Yeah, Yeah. We're killing the dog to get
2: back at the other guy. Like that's, I'm going John Wicker, obviously. Uh, But um, There we go. Another fucking, (laughs) his wife is dead at the start of the thing. That sends the whole thing into what it is. Every, nobody remembers John no. Wick has a wife. He has a wife and a dog, and those deaths mean something. Everyone he kills is just like, yeah, yeah. bring him more bodies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, they killed his dog. Kill everyone, John. <laughs> Get yeah. your revenge. Burn the world, man. Burn the world. They killed a puppy. Yeah. Uh, 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 if you kill a fish, very few people care, nah. unless it's Nemo's mum. <laughs> then that's a fish we care about. It's, it's really, it is fascinating how, for humans, because we have so much of a sort of audition process to friendships and trust at the end of the day, but we mostly trust animals to a degree, which is stupid because animals will kill you. Um, it's like, oh, bear, stay the fuck back. <laughs> no, 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 I have had a million teddy bears as a child. Have you seen the Revenant, motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, death is, a, is, it hangs heavy on everything. And is used so brutally and roughshod sometimes, but with animals, it's a thing we just to, like. Oh, it's almost a given. Don't show me that animal dying. Mm. I don't want to see it. And I think there's a thing
3: we kind of touched on here mm. because we talked a lot about actors doing death scenes and getting to die, which is obviously that that mm, that's that juicy lot of meat on that bone for I me look to look chew at. Forward to this bit. Yeah. Um but there is also characters killing characters doing a death
2: yeah <laughs> uh, yeah and
3: how that is portrayed and how people approach that because if you want a nice way to make people hate your villain, have
2: them kill an animal. Oh yeah. Almost. You know, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's to the point of being lazy. Yeah. yeah.
3: There's a, there's, you know, you go on TV tropes. I think it's called kick. There's kick the dog kick the versus dog. pet the dog. Yes. Like, Oh, if yes. I pet the dog, I show that I'm not entirely a bad person because mm. I'm nice to this animal. I kick the dog. Oh, I'm total piece of scum, you know, yes. uh, you know, yeah. completely, you know, my death is entirely justified kind of yeah. thing. Um, And various variations on, on how that works and yeah. stuff. Um, and i think there is it's very interesting how characters who are especially protagonists and quote unquote heroes seeing how they react to death uh and
2: yeah n-
3: either death happening around them or having to kill someone you yeah. know there's yeah. to go to a video game example the recent uh tomb raider oh yeah uh, reboot or I guess it's a reboot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Yeah. 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 Like, you have that scene of her, like, the first time she has to kill a person, and it's incredibly drawn out, and and you show so much trauma, and she's driven. there shaking afterwards. Yeah, she's, you you, you go through this whole moment where you're like, oh, this was, she had absolutely no choice. This person was going to, like, horribly kill her, and, like, I think there's some implied, like, sexual assault there, there is, yep. and stuff as definitely, well. Yep. Yeah, and, like yeah. You're like, oh, well, you know, she had no other choice and she's still completely screwed up about it. And then you go forward probably about 45 minutes in that video game <laughs> and you're just shooting arrows into dudes left, right, and center, yeah. you know.
2: Yep. And there's such a disconnect between yeah, how definitely. you treat the first death versus yeah. the second death, you, so, so to speak. And that can be done really well, where it's like, because this is, a, I mean, su- surprise, everybody. Um It's supposed to feel awful to kill something. Yeah. Yeah. It's in in your almost conditioning, is it in your DNA? Like, I don't want to do this because it's, yeah, it it will fuck you up emotionally. Biologically, it's about the
0: worst thing you can do. Yes. And your brain knows that. So it's like, yeah. And like
2: any
3: war where there's been like a large draft of civilian troops into it, like a lot of the training is less about like getting you knowing how to operate this gun and. it's more psychologically preparing you so that when it comes to it you will actually fire the gun. Yeah. Because I don't know what the exact statistic is, but it's something like 40% of people who went off to World War Two never actually fired their weapon because even if they had a chance to, they couldn't bring themselves to do it. It's always quite rightly because it's a horrible, awful thing to do. Yeah. It's
2: a sniper thing of like there's a line of um um Enemy at the gates where it's um as a sniper, you can see that person and you feel their last breath. You can see if they've shaved in the morning. It's all this sort of stuff. You, you mm. see everything about them rather than just like someone over there, I press a button and the drone does a thing. Done.
3: Yeah. 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 And so much of, you know, warfare is about depersonalizing the enemy. And yeah. you know, sand and
2: then, Sandbags are getting stabbed so you can sag a person and not worry about yeah. it. And it's over quickly enough that you don't care about it. There's always, with all the emotional scene is always two people wrestling in a pit of mud with one knife. And it's like, the fucking back to saving private ryan again yeah yeah um brutal stuff yeah and it's supposed to be yeah Yeah.
3: and then you get round to stuff like them showing 300 to uh soldiers about to go off to the iraq and afghanistan war to desensitize them and get them
2: ready to kill a bunch of brown people oh god and um i hate the world (laughs) (laughs) well this is again it's 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 all d de- is again it's when, when you go in the military specifically for certain wings of it in certain parts and certain parts of history, as you say it's not about uh you have to follow orders, obviously you have to literally become a weapon, and if you have chosen that life, if you signed your life away and think no, that's what I want to do to protect my country, whatever reason you get into it, whatever um there is a certain acknowledgement and psychology behind it um if you're drafted, it's like you're told you have to do it, mm. and as you say, the fallout of that is Horrific and and, and monstrous. And yes,
3: because if you if you're if it's a volunteer army, then there is some self selection of that. Where yeah, the yeah. people who go, well, I could never
2: shoot someone, don't join the army. Here's a gun. Oh god. Oh yeah. god. <laughs> what do I do with this? I yeah. mean, again, Hacksaw Ridge, really good example. Yep. It's like someone says, yep. like, I'm I'm pacifist. It's like, okay, my, my religion says, it, Thou shalt not kill. It's like, this is different. It's like, nope, I believe it so much mm. that I'm never gonna kill anybody. I might even pick up a gun. It's like. Mm. Then you're gonna die. Yeah. And, and not, not to
0: into get into a whole conversation about this, but the mm. difference between like killing someone in warfare and murdering somebody. Oh, if You shoot somebody yeah. under like combat, you are not a murderer in most people's eyes. Mm. Some people do feel that way, but there is this weird blurry line, and it applies to fiction and characters mm. as well. Yeah. The way that a main character takes out the bad guy, are they drawing it out and doing a real like visceral, horrible unpleasant, gruesome way of doing it, and you're like, oh, oh, is he the good guy? Mm. Have I been wrong about this character the whole time? That's horrible, he just did Mm. something horrible. Mm. Or, if there's a nice, clean, quick kill, and I know coming back to like 80s action stars, but the way it's just like, one spray of bullets and everyone dies, and it's like, oh, okay, then there's no connection there. Whereas, going back to Saving Private Ryan, there's that moment you're scrambling for the knife and there's one knife in between the two of you in the mud. And, oh my God, yeah. and there's this visceral moment. It's all up close That's the final stab and that moment where it's like, you've got their life in your hands kind of moment. And there's mm. this up close personal, you see, yeah, you can see the white to their eyes kind of thing. Mm. You're that close and it's mm. not even necessarily a proximity thing, but it's that in the, the way, yeah, in the scene, in, in cinema, it's the way it's shot. It's the way the characters and the actors portray those characters and how you can justify certain characters killing and then coming back to like batman and stuff like oh we don't kill like
2: um I mean, what kind of life do these people have after you bang yeah, the shit yeah. out of the them? Whole,
0: like, I mean, you've kind of paralyzed that guy and ruined that guy's yeah. life, and he'll never eat solid food again, mm. <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. And,
3: and this is America, so they're all bankrupt from hospital hospital fees. There is that. Yep. God his, damn, yeah. Yep,
0: his kids will never go to university because hospital bills forever. Thanks, Batman. Yeah, he's a billionaire just living off in his tower. It's like, <laughs> is he the good guy? I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But then even you get the the, the Batman conundrum there. It's like. I'm not killing you. I just don't have to save you. It's like, um, um, is will you draw the line, Bruce? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that counts, mate. I think if you can actively, well, hmm, I don't know. Does that count? And yet have this whole conversation. And I think, and something I touch on all the time in my pitches and the films that I love, where you're coming away with questions about morality and the philosophical side of things and the existential side of things for those characters. I love those things. Talking about, I know I talk about X Machina all the time, but talking about how great that film is and how it deals with like humanity and life and mortality. You know, these mm. um, Blade Runner, yeah, the replicants yeah. have a finite life cycle, mm. so they live their world and their world's experience number. They live their lives in very different ways, and discussing that sort of stuff can be done in so many different ways. Whether that's Saving Private Ryan to Blade Runner. Completely different movies that both deal with the human condition and mortality and killing and ending of other beings' lives, other sentient beings, whether that's humans or replicants. Sure, mm. It's this fascinating thing. And I think that's why, obviously, it's biologically built into us and psychologically built into us as human beings. But why it's such an often explored thing in cinema and how it's portrayed in a million different ways across a million different films. Because it can relate to a million different things and tell you about those characters in different
2: ways, definitely, definitely. And I think, well, first of all, I, I, again, I agree with that entirely. I think it's funny if you didn't. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. No, Jack. I think you're wrong. No, no. Um, <laughs> I, I, there's also a beautiful transition to from from war. Like you're saying about you know the, the the sort of past we give certain people to, um, let's be honest, poverty-driven crime. Um, where it's like I had to kill him. It's like why? Because I was starving. Had to kill him. Why? Because mm. I'm in a gang, and if I don't, I starve and I die. It's yeah. Like, or it's, or it's, they kill me. Or they kill me. Yeah. It's it's mm. it is a war. it's a classic thing you say like, we're going to war, son. That's like that's the sort of like mindset of like mm. no, you're in a gang. It's whether it's 1930s Chicago or fucking 1990s Los Angeles. Mm. It's you know fucking nine, 1800s London. It's it's mm. still like. You believe you are being conscripted to something and you don't have a choice and therefore it is a pass. You get, mm. you know, you get a thing. Um, bit of a segue. Uh, let's, let's cap off before forever Little a little halfway break. Um, let's discuss what death means in contemporary cinema. Now, I said before about the whole, like, you know, technically when the film <laughs> stops, everyone dies unless mm. you come back to it at some point. You know, Blade Runner, they all die at the end, until, you know, Blade Runner 2049 comes out. Oh no, the universe carries on, expanded universe, Mm. fiction, and so forth. But, and I know we've said it so many times, the MCU keeps (laughs) changing things. (laughs) (laughs) You can't, and and this is replicating comics, you can't just die. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. Yeah, You can't (laughs) stay dead.
0: There's money to be made. There was a thing in comics, the rule was, Uncle Ben and Bucky Barnes always stay dead. Yeah. Like those mm. are the two characters you can guarantee mm. they've brought back. Mm. Bruce Wayne has died a million times. The Joker mm. has died. Jason and, Todd stays dead. Jason, yeah, J- Jason, J- J- Jason, J- Jason Todd was the other one, exactly. Yeah, thank you. And <laughs> and then the Winter Soldier happened. And it was like, yeah. Oh, oh, Bucky Barnes is back. And then the Red Hood happened. They're like, oh, Jason Todd is back. Yeah. And Pretty were,
3: much at exactly the same time. It yeah.
0: was, yeah. 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 There's this weird kind of parallel thing between Marvel yeah. and d. c in the comics mm-hmm. and we Uncle Ben still d- dead
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> there have been moments <laughs> yeah.
0: was there an uncle Ben in the m c u well, there was there was the,
3: the
2: luggage got monogrammed by yeah, someone did, yeah. but didn't matter yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, weird anyway, and going to that kind of yeah, death doesn't matter. it's become such a cliche in comics now where. Mm. Anyone can die at any given moment. Oh, there's a there's a pit that will chuck them in some goo and they'll come back, or some parallel universe thing, or some time travel thing, mm. or some yep. injection that will undo the death or whatever the fuck it is. We're getting that now with the MCU. We've now got the multiverse stuff and we've got mm. different versions of characters coming back and through and oh, we thought they were dead and what if and all this kind of stuff yeah, you see. Yeah, yeah characters that and, and we even talked about it on our mcu episodes i won't rehash this for too long they keep ki- killing off their interesting villains <laughs> yep, and then we well, might see some of them come back in some multiverse kind of yeah. weird ways and uh, we joked about the like oh michael b Jordan will come back as black panther
3: it's like mm-hmm. maybe oh
0: god <laughs> like that
3: actually might be a thing yeah well yeah i mean like, like we said in the mcu special it's interesting how their approach to death has shifted over the course of their films because we yeah. said yeah. you know one of the things that they did at the start was killing off a lot of villains in a in a quite uncomic booky way yeah and also having it's a film shorthand yeah and also having characters who were quite happy to kill you know like, Iron Man kills a whole bunch of people. Oh, yeah. And a um, bunch of rockets. To the Middle stuff. East. Yeah. Huzzah. Yeah. It's like,
2: oh. You know,
3: and then e- even as far as like Iron Man 3, he's going around the Mandarin's, you know, plaza, yeah, just shooting dudes, dudes and, you know. His, and with his little repulsor glove yeah. thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Dead.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Having just now faced mortality and now having panic attacks at the result of it is still happy Better to go just... go murder a few dudes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and so. And like you say, we're both now in a position where they are more careful with who, which characters are a are being killed off, and that you know we know that certain things you know oh you go through all the deaths in Infinity War, not just the ones in the Click, but you know oh Loki gets killed off oh but he doesn't really you know yep. yeah There's, I think yeah really. is about the only one that sticks from that film.
2: Yeah, you barely see it. Yeah, it's weird. Um. I almost forget that it's there. Yeah, the same with the 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 Warriors three and fucking yes. Ragnarok. Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, that happened very yeah. quickly.
3: Yeah. Um, but they're also being more careful with what what their heroes do. Yes. Like yes. That, which heroes kill, especially Spider Man, which you know, good because he's he's just a little boy. He shouldn't just be killing a people. Boy. boy. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think their approach is interesting and it's getting more comic booky. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. the and, whole thing is getting more comic booky for yes, sure. That's yeah. true. Positive and negative, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um so yeah, and it does it's leaking into other things because like you say, now because we're so obsessed with intellectual property and franchising mm. things, you know, you do start to wonder, you know, you look at something like the Fast and Furious, which is, like, one of the most comic booky things that isn't based on a comic book, because yeah, yeah. pretty much, like, especially once you got to film 5 and onwards, like, well, all the villains just become friends with them, and then they become a part of the team. Didn't Fucking anime. He, yeah, <laughs> didn't Jason Statham's character, didn't he kill, like, one of their best mates, like, yeah. a
2: little
0: while like, who was not really their best mate, but kind of tied into it in a way. As the, oh, he he's just, just hanging out with the rock, for Han. Down. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and exactly.
3: then they brought him back. So and then, it then didn't Han's matter. fucking
0: back. So, so now, like, yeah. so now we can have Jason Statham's character <gasps> kicking around. But Jason Statham came back before Han came back, so there was yes. a moment where there was that backlash. Was like,
3: well, hold on a minute, he killed
0: yeah. Han. Yeah. yeah, that's not allowed. He can't, he can't be a hero. And yeah. then fucking Han walks in on the new trail and you're like. Oh, everything's forgiven. It's, it's fine. fine,
3: yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> and also,
2: he's off in a separate film that's not that good. Not and, yeah, yeah. yeah. If anime has taught me anything, you live long enough to become either your, the person's like main character's best friend, and you really like have those little mm. moments of unity and solidarity, mm. or alternatively, silly enough to become a comic relief. Yeah. Um, and it's like, yeah, they were a threat, but you know, they're just a lovable guy now. Yeah, we've moved on. Who's just the big funny guy who sleeps on the couch. And it's like, He's going to end the world. He killed (laughs) loads of people. Yeah, Loads of people. So did Vegeta. He's my best friend. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is very surreal. I mean, Disney almost signposted this in the early 2000s perfectly um, with Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm. With a really terrifying, not in the film, in the film it's just a Mm. thing, but the the context of what it can be applied to in cinema, in in Disney's plans going forward with Star Wars and with um, other big franchises like Marvel and so on and so forth is even the fucking Muppets, if I'm honest, um, is when the crew of the Dutchman in the Pirates of the Caribbean movie all clamber around saying, the ship must have a captain mm-hmm. brandishing a knife. And it's like, no, no, no. We need someone in the Iron Man suit. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? Uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr. started the thing off because he's the first of the film franchise. And then he does, I am... I'm. We all felt it. You click, and I'm. I'm. You know, I love you. Fucking three thousand. Yeah, i oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. But the ship has to have a captain. <laughs> In more than one Captain America. But you know, it's yeah. it's like it doesn't matter. That's yeah. one version. I need this body filled. And it's like, oh Christ. And what happens? With, what are you gonna do after that? I'm gonna kill them too. <laughs> like, and that's
0: that is coming off the comic book thing. We touch on this all the time. As soon as the comic book comes up, we talk about legacy characters. There yeah. have been mul- now Sam Wilson, thanks to Falcon and Winter Soldier, and the events of Endgame, is now Captain America. Yes. He was that in the comics. There have been multiple Captain Americas. Bucky has also been Captain America in the comics. There mm-hmm. have been multiple Hulks. Yep. Explain that one. There have been multiple Spider-Men. We talked about Miles Morales <laughs> many mm-hmm. moons ago when yeah. we fixed Spider-Man 3. There's been basically any character you can think of of any significance in comics. And even some of the insignificant Mm. ones Have multiple versions of them Whether that's multiverse versions Or I've handed down the mantle and I've retired Or Mm. they've died and they take it up in there Or literally their offspring Their sons, Mm. their daughters, whatever Nieces and nephews even in some cases
2: And comics can go back to it Because they're drawn Films can't Yeah Yes. Unless People age and people actually die in real life Yeah. Unless you use technology As we've experienced recently and then it doesn't matter because we have AI to voice yes. and animate your and now we lifeless barely, face. We
3: barely need act. We only need actors for one film and now we own, the, we own the rights to that character, yes. and that character just happens to look like that actor, and we made sure we scanned them for both the action figures and for this thing that we're going to do. That's we, it. We
0: you get s- Princess Leia, and we get Tarkin, mm. and we get Luke yeah. Skywalker,
2: and all kinds of stuff. You, you like. sign and a contract. They to us forever. Yeah. That's the thing. You sign a contract, literally with the devil. You sign the contract to say, I'm going to get paid, and I can use the footage however I want to. Sure. Um, and as you say, Tim, I'm going to scan you. Well, it's a different different type of footage. It's like, oh, okay, sure. And when you do that, I'm going to marionette you around however I the fuck I want. It's like, what do you mean? Well, when you die, I'm still going to be putting you in movies. Mm. But the thing with actors is most of the time, they go, oh, I live forever. <laughs> Brilliant. That's what I want in my Can perfect Can I do form. more death scenes as it, a hologram? <laughs> exactly. Bring me back for everything all the time. I mean, and then you get versions where it's like, yeah, you think that because you haven't seen what they're going to do with it. Mm. Prime example being Elliot Page in... Beyond the Sea? It's beyond Two Souls. Beyond Two Souls. Yeah. <laughs> beyond Two Souls. Um, beyond Two Souls is not a better no, name than Beyond the Sea. No. And it was like, we've we've, we've scanned you in. And it, it, this is obviously somehow much worse because obviously at the time, before she transitions, so was a woman, scanned her as a woman. It's like, We're going to do a shower scene. We're going to censor her out very tastefully. It's like, yeah. did you still make a model with all the bits though, that could be decoded? Oh yeah, we did that. It's like, Ugh. oh God. Ugh. And yeah. again, now... Elliott, some man, and things like that, and that's all situations how it is, and it's like, yeah, that's even worse now that you have that scanned copy mm. thing. It's, it's such mm. a strange line to walk with yeah. this stuff, and it's something that the implications it of how get, It never gets about into it. like deep fakes and all this, I yep, so, yeah, so like, yeah, so yeah. death for actors for characters doesn't always mean death. Basically, what we understand of death mm. isn't a thing. Anymore, it seems. That's why I'm running. So get which, to modern cinema,
3: which is kind of worrying, because, like yeah. I say, this is a this is a thing that we all have to deal with, and a lot of the ways that we deal with it is through exploring it through art, you know. Yeah. And yeah. I like not to get super morbid, <laughs> but like mm-hmm. I know for a fact that there are certain films that I'm not going to be able to watch. Once my dad dies. Sure. Oh god, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. Same here. Fuck yeah. me up too bad. Agreed. Entirely. Um,
2: entirely. And there are things I didn't care about when I was younger. Mm. I was like, oh, what's what's the big fucking deal? Mm. But I know full well that as you say, when parents or close family members die, or I have children, it's like, yeah, I can't watch this anymore. Yeah. I can't. It's like, you you watched this and you didn't care. That's before I had stakes in the battle, as yeah, now I now I do. Now, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Now yeah. it's different.
3: You know, and and you know, there's people often are like, oh, why would you want to watch these like miserable films that are about, you know, oh, this character's like long battle with a disease or whatever. And, yeah. you know, and some of it's because like, oh, because it's beautifully made. It's so incredibly well acted. Mm. And part of it's also, it's like emotional training wheels. It's <laughs> yeah. preparing yeah. yourself okay. for Hell, these yeah. things that you will have to deal with in life. Mm. And if our most popular films are things where death be- kind of becomes conquered and yeah you know there's no you remove that in terms of like stakes even Mm. even if it's not within the text that that is the case but going into it you know Mm. oh okay we know that
2: okay oh well they've killed off loki but we know he'll be back you know wandavision is i'm not gonna spoil things too much is all about grief yeah Mm. it's all about dealing with that and it's like that's beautiful until the last five minutes. Yeah. Then it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Kind of is still about that. Obviously, still a factor. Could be, you know, a carrying mm. thing going forward because obviously when you have that in your life, it doesn't just end and you're like, oh, simple denouement, everything's good. Yeah. But you did kind of develop a plot point that means it doesn't matter. Yeah. And if that's what we're teaching people in our, f- I'm not saying about criticizing and censoring mm. fiction, you know what I mean? I'm saying that If that's what you grow up on an ideal uh, you know, if I grow Mm. up on the story of watching fucking Bambi, Bambi's mum dies. Yeah. Bambi's mum never comes fucking back. Yeah. And it's like, holy shit. I have to deal with that Mm. at some point. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Whereas Bambi's mum comes back at the end as like a Bambi clone. But don't worry, it's a different version. Yeah. But it's still the same character I'm familiar with from the start of the film. Big, big sparkly portal
3: opens up and and Bambi's mum steps through. Mecca Bambi Mum walks. She steps through with a new unshootable carapace yeah. yeah she
2: has a fucking cannon in her chest and like yeah. come here human it's <laughs> it's iron deer <laughs> <laughs> down 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 down, down. down. Bambi. I am iron deer <laughs> um, yeah it, it robs it of its thing and I'm not mm. saying you know because you can you can expose Well, oh, I say expose kids to that stuff too early you can never tell someone's mental stability so it, uh, there's an old I think it was an um, I think it's Jack Deere, a stand-up comedian, who said, um, I'll just put on a film as it starts. Why are you crying? What's wrong? And it's just the idea of like, oh, I put on a Disney film, it'd be fine. Every, almost every <laughs> Disney film is trying to make you cry because it was Disney's thing at the start. Yeah. It was like Everyone laughs at cartoons. I'm gonna make them cry because then they'll care. Then it's important. Then it's art. Mm. Um, and, yeah. I mean, I've cried about, I think I've cried harder that about an anime death which is a fictional character that is a fucking cartoon that is probably re, you know, underwritten X amount of episodes later mm. than I have about distant cousins or relatives dying, mm. who are my own kin. Mm. Why like, I didn't really know them, I didn't really meet them, but it's pretty sad. It's obviously mm. it must have been a nice person, who knows? And mm. I'm not a nice person, so fucking oh, I'm that great. Mm. But etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. It's like, yeah, but that one I'm gonna take with me to my own fucking grave. Mm. That with me is gonna stay with me forever. I'm going to name my own fucking firstborn after so-and-so because that cut me up. And it's so, like,
3: huh. There's a, an amazing moment in High Fidelity when um, Laura, yes. her dad dies. Yeah, that's a great thing. Um, and she rings up Rob and she's like completely inconsolable. She can barely get the words out. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's kind of a, a first phone call and then she rings re- that just is like her crying down the phone and saying, yeah. like, my dad died and then rings back and is like, okay, I think I can actually talk about it now. And then Rob comes out of the store, uh, out of the like office that he's been in. And and the the guys in the store are like, oh, what's up? And he's like, oh, Laura's dad died. And then Jack Black's character just goes, oh, drag. We should do a playlist about it. And it's like that, yeah. that like just complete devastation from mm-hmm. like someone mm-hmm. so close to it to like a step removed and then another step removed. And that yeah. person's reaction is like, "Ah." Oh, that makes me think about pop music, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah know, and, and entirely it's like that's how we as a species survive. Because if every mm. if we felt every death like it was the most personal thing, again going back to filmmaking, like yeah. if you made a Saving Private Ryan where every death on Omaha Beach was like you know shot like it was the mo- like you know the most important death scene, yeah the film would be unwatchable. If, every, yeah. if if we felt every death like it was, you know, our most, you know, our mm. husband, our wife, our, you know, our mother, our father, you know, mm. whoever, the most significant the most significant person yeah, yeah. in your life dying. If you felt every death in the
2: world like that, then you just, you would break as a human being. It's like sound. Your your body protects you by blocking out most of the things mm. you hear around you because you'd go fucking insane yeah it drills in on what is necessary and filters the rest out mm. same with death yeah um and then there are those who fixate on things that aren't just a complete segue here um pandemic we are still arguing it awful death toll mm. in america i've actually read the other day that the american death toll is worse than the spanish flu so this is the worst pandemic deaths in america for literally hundreds arguably of yeah. years. um and it's tragic of course it fucking is mm. Same thing with mm. Britain. Awful. Mm. People have n- th- there's nobody you probably know that hasn't been touched by this in some capacity. Yeah. Terrible. S- and yeah, a lot of this country felt more sad that Prince Philip died. Yeah. And there's an interesting yeah. disconnect there. Like, do you know oh, that old did man? You see, see that picture of the Queen when she was just by herself in the church. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah. And it is, like, you're being empathetic, but it's yeah. the, when you're really too invested, you're like, and the same way, like, like, I'm care about like if I can. Character dying in film, like you know, as we will talk about in the second half, it's like these things mean something to me. It's like, mm. do they? No, but I'm reflecting it into my own fucking life, and therefore and now it does. That's the thing yeah.
3: is that at the end of the day, you like, these things are important, death scenes are important, yes, art is important because it reflects our own life, you know, and you are going to have deaths that are very, that happen, and you go, oh, that, oh, that's that's sad, that person died, and it really doesn't mean much to you at all. Yeah. And you're going to have ones that completely devastate you and completely reshape the direction of your life as they completely, you know, you take a film where, you know, extra number 47 dying in, you know, true lies or whatever. Sure. Doesn't, ma- doesn't impact the flow of the film at all. Mm. And then you can take a film where a death shapes the entire thing, whether it's a death at the start, a death at the end. That you know that it's all leading to kind of yeah thing. yeah yeah um, and yeah that that death scenes matter because they are life reflected life and death reflected mm. back to
2: us on the cinema screen one hundred percent. So let's fix. Oh no no wait hang
3: on <laughs> <laughs> this is the end of let's season sorry fix we don't death. fix death
2: we just dwell on it now uh, we do, it's the sequel to death we have to worry about. <gasps> That's one thing people are like, why are you talking about the afterlife episode? Like, That's a different episode. <laughs> That's a whole different We've subject. We talked about that in Constantine, it's
0: fine. Yes. It basically looks like LA, but yeah. with a few more demons. So LA. Yeah, LA. <laughs> this week's episode is sponsored by Jackass Forever. You can bring home Jackass Forever today on Digital. Johnny Knoxville and the gang are back with new friends and celebrity guest stars for the most hilarious, outrageous pranks and dangerous stunts ever. Grab your friends and get ready to laugh until it hurts. Don't miss a moment of the action and keep the good times rolling with bonus, never-before-seen stunts included when you buy on digital. Rated R from Paramount Pictures. And thanks to Jackass Forever's support of Sequelizers, we are giving away a copy of Jackass Forever Digital. you follow us on social media, you can enter on Twitter and win yourself a copy of the brand new Jackass Forever. That's at Sequelizers on Twitter, and basically just reply to the post. Let us know your favourite new member of the Jackass crew and you can win yourself a copy of Jackass Forever Digital. Thanks to our friends at Paramount Pictures and
2: Jackass Forever. Today's episode is sponsored by Audible. Audible has th- obviously thousands upon thousands of audiobooks and podcasts and comedy specials and just so much more. And we're here to enhance this fantastic experience because if you head to audibletrial.com sequel, you can get a month free and an audiobook on us. Um, I'm gonna recommend a very obvious thing. I'm gonna recommend it's a very Matt pick. Matt, I said it's yeah. obvious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The Death of Ivan Ilyich, um, by Leo Tolstoy. Yes, that's a very Matt pick. Yeah, it's considered one of the finest novellas ever written, and hmm. it is. It's good. Um, it's read by Simon Preble. and it's essentially a story of this um 18th century judge, and he's basically dying. Um, and it's a really—I'm not—I'm not saying much about it at all. It's—it's it's, it's like I think two or three hours on a bridge. It's quite short and easy to digest, um, and it's really insightful, really fascinating. Um, talks about the idea of pending death, the idea of it, what it means. and I—I I, I remember correctly, I think it's around the time that Tolstoy might have been dying himself, or I might be confusing this with fucking DeMar right writing the Black Tulip. Who the fuck knows? Point is, it's extremely good, and you could have a free copy on us if you go to. AudibleTrial.com slash sequel. So get on down to AudibleTrial.com slash sequel for a month free and an audiobook on us. Audible Equatable to Death. (laughs) Death is coming. Listen to a book. (laughs) Death is coming between 7 and 3pm. If you're not in we'll leave a note. (laughs) So we have three picks for death scenes each. Each. And I obviously get three honourable deaths. (laughs) You have a dishonourable death, Matthew. I have a dishonourable death as well to talk about, yeah. You're a failure of a Klingon. So many many moments you're like, does that count as a death? They just fell over a ledge. Yeah, they're dead. We've touched on a couple of different ways of
0: how cinema can handle deaths. So we're going to kind of categorise them a little bit. And we're going to start off with... The sudden. The unexpected. The one that might subvert your expectations. Perhaps it's a main character, perhaps it's a villain, who knows. But yeah, we're going to touch on and start off discussing and highlighting some pics of sudden death. death. Not sudden death, but sudden deaths. <laughs> the movie, sudden <laughs> death. The, movie, su- the next half an hour is just talking about the movie, sudden death. Yeah,
2: there's a whole amount of this audience going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Perth-Clarke, he is perked up and he was like, hello. Sorry, I said sudden impact. No, he said sudden death. <laughs> So yeah, who wants to go first? Not death, obviously. Who wants to die first? Who wants to talk first? Me, in both cases. <laughs> <laughs> Morbid. Uh I
3: I it's interesting. We have touched on the filmmaker behind my choice a few times already. Mm. Um, and he is notorious in certain circles, I would say. Sure. Um Because I think he has produced some of the best pieces of media dealing with death and some just shitty, lazy ones as well. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yep. And I think this probably falls somewhere in the middle. Agreed again. Uh, Yeah. The death that I am going to talk about is from the film Serenity, not the Matthew McConaughey. Thank God. Anne Hathaway. I hate that we have to clarify that now. Video. Murder simulator <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> film. But the continuation of the Firefly series. And I'm gonna talk about Wash's death. Born
0: mm. uh, Alan Tudyk.
3: Yep. Yes. Which of course was very sudden uh and very shocking. I remember seeing it in the cinema. Uh and being quite royally pissed off in the moment mm-hmm. uh and so obviously it's a joss whedon film it's his first film in fact not counting student stuff yeah but first, yeah he's involved in the buffy Vampire Slayer 90s film yeah but it's
2: like it's a different yeah thing.
3: first cinematically released film as a director had obviously done a lot of tv prior to this buffy angel firefly the series etc etc um i almost mentioned du- during our kind of discussion and stuff the body uh as an episode of buffy the vampire slayer Ooh, yeah, one of the best yeah. episodes of it and one of the best bits of media i think dealing with that like immediate aftermath of death mhm um just fantastic piece every time anya does her speech in it i will cry yeah sure etc etc so he is a filmmaker who has the potential to deal with these subjects in very good ways, but he also has a uh, a habit of killing off characters as a way to escalate the stakes of a situation. Um, because, and I, I believe in, in film commentaries and stuff, he, has, he sort of said his, his ethos in this is essentially well. If you kill off a character, then suddenly every character in the mind of the audience is fair game. And especially with this film. Especially with this film, which was the TV show had been cancelled. Several years later, they'd managed to get a feature film made. And Wash's death happens. There's already been a death in the film. A much more kind of traditional death uh, of... Shepherd Book, who had died and had got a kind of a final death speech that Mm. he had given to Mal, and and it's seen as a kind of a bit of a turning point in the film. And, you know, uh, as we would say, a very traditional death scene. Gets to make a little speech, Mm. gets to die dramatically. Mm. Great acting time. Given the platform, given the time. Wrong glass. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Wrong
0: glass is great. He's probably Um, the best book.
3: Alan Tudick. A great actor,
0: right. love me some too, Dick.
3: Yeah, uh, obviously gets a showcase in this sequence. Being washed, the pilot of the ship. I am a leaf on the wind. Gets to say it, so it becomes this this thing that has become. A... It's become
0: this pop culture thing, right? Yes. People have T shirts of it, and yeah. people have this like visceral reaction to it, even yeah. to yeah. this day, because Firefly is so beloved. Yeah, that I am. I am a leaf on the wind. Watch how I. <laughs> yeah. That where it cuts off the sentence and should be watch how I saw mm. that having that I've seen I think was it Nathan Fillion or Alan Tudig mm. himself who did like a Comic Con reveal of like a t shirt or something yeah that's and, and, and the, the crowd like freaked out yeah and stuff. Yeah, 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 like, yeah yeah that's a thing
3: and and obviously we have this uh, the amazing still looks pretty good like mm. space battle sequence yeah I think so Uh before that um and he says it twice during that the first time it's just this kind of like it's a cool line that he's saying. And then it becomes this like, what the fuck are you talking about? Kind of line. It's (laughs) like, no, it's fine. I'm a leaf on the wind. Um, And then the third time lands the ship. Oh, oh, everybody's safe now. We got through the thing. And now we're heading into the kind of the final battle of the film. And it's like you say, brutally cut off and he dies. And it feels like the whole screen just kind of, even, even though it's not, it's a sudden death and it is a, like, he gets impaled by a thing that's, like, the size of, like, a small sofa. Big yeah. Fucking like it's a big harpoon, harpoon mess, like thing. Big harpoon harpoon thing, thing. Yeah. But it's also not, it's not a particularly bloody death, but it also feels like the entire screen just goes red very yeah. suddenly. Sure. And it's, a, like, a shift in the lighting more than anything else. Mm. Um, That just adds to that visceral impact of, like, oh! And it fe- it almost feels like you've just had blood, like, sprayed over the entire screen very suddenly. Yeah. Um. And it is such a shock in that moment. Um, because it's 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 loud and sudden. And your your body essentially it's you know, you had this very thrilling space battle where a lot of it has been kind of point of view of the the, the ship and you're in the cockpit going through this chaotic space battle where the ship that they're on, the Serenity, doesn't actually have any guns on it, or it had One gun strapped to the top of it that you had that they couldn't then use, and you've got this incredibly chaotic battle between two different forces, and they are just trying to weave their way through it and survive and get down onto the planet. It's a real like roller coaster ride of a sequence, and your body is just coming down off of that, and then you've had the sequence of like oh, and then they get EMPed and they they think they're going to crash, and they everyone's in crash positions, etc., etc. Just manages to glide in. Uh, and land and your body just kind of starts relaxing from that it's like oh, okay they've made it and then it suddenly hits you with this and you you barely get any time to process it. Yeah. It is just this awful thing happens. Zoe who's, who's his wife is like trying to save him but very clearly he is already dead um and Mal the captain is like no we he's he's gone we've got to leave him we've got to go the ship is still hovering there, ready to launch more stuff at them, the Reavers, and and and
2: so on and so forth. It's that we don't have time for this beautiful moment because yeah, go 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 yeah yeah.
3: And as I said, he does it so that going into this final battle, you feel like, oh, maybe they're just gonna kill off everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm. Maybe this is gonna be that kind of film. Maybe it's gonna be a Rogue One. Yeah, maybe it's exactly. gonna be a yeah, like a is it the Wild Bunch? Everyone die in the Wild Bunch, pretty much. Yeah. Um, you know, it, maybe it's going to be that kind of last stand of a film of these characters doing this principled thing and sacrificing their lives in the process. And it has, it, as the the film then carries on, there are a couple of close calls and moments when you think it's all going to die, and then, and then a, a tiny woman does kung fu until it's <laughs> the problems are solved. Um, and then we look at her feet. She does um, good
2: deaths. We're okay with these deaths. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: Um, she kills, She kills
0: people that have been. Chemically and psychologically manipulated. So that's fine, right? Guys? Yeah.
2: yeah.
3: Yeah. Fuck them guys. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's there for a very deliberate story reason. But emotionally, to me, it doesn't feel earned.
2: I know a lot of people are grinding their teeth right now because yeah. they disagree. Mm. But I completely agree with both sides. I know exactly mm. what you mean, Tim. I,
3: I completely understand it in terms of story mechanics. In the like, oh, we've got to, we, we're raising the stakes. Yes. I think it becomes, especially when Whedon becomes known for this. Mm, yeah. Killed off Colson in Avengers. Yeah. Came back for Age of Ultron, kill off Quicksilver. After constantly threatening to kill off Hawkeye. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. And, and, and it becomes this very lazy way of saying like, oh, it's getting serious now. I've killed a person. And I think that, like, if that's the only way you can think of to raise the stakes towards the end of your movie, you're not thinking hard enough. Um, And to me, like, it's a very frustrating death because these characters had already essentially gone through. We talk about the film ends, your characters have all died. Yeah, yeah. These characters had already essentially gone through that. There had been a final episode
2: of the series, and they knew they were getting cancelled. So they were there was a mourning of everything. Yeah, yeah.
3: Um, and there's you know depending on what order you watch them in because oh, God. Fox fucked it up during he the initial broadcast and stuff. The series there's a there's a an end to the series, and the the episode where they found out the show was cancelled ends with like a funeral, and it's a very sad scene, and it, and it cut it feels like characters are mourning not just for the character that has died in the show but also like it's like the actor's mourning for the end of this show there's also there's the final episode objects in space which is this very existential thing and kind of but feels like this interesting kind of coda to leave the 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 show on sure um that feels very much like well these characters are going to go on and continue having these stories and you know that's fine shows end whatever You then bring them back and you go, okay, we have this opportunity. Film, very different beast to television, even though they are, in from a kind of media point of view, very similar. But they operate in a very different way. And not counting things like comic books and stuff like that, this is the chance to say goodbye to these characters in a way that they never really did have in the show. And so... To me, like, killing off characters in that way feels a little bit... A bit cheap. A bit cheap. Disrespectful? A bit, bit disrespectful. Mm. I, I can't quite wrap my <laughs> words around the, 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 the emotion that I yeah. feel. The, the, there is a... Exploitative is maybe yeah, a word a that I one. would that's
2: say. I think there's it. a thing where the, the author, whether that's script writer... Novelist, whoever happens to be, whatever doing, songwriter, the thing you create lives and dies in your hands, and if you choose to flippantly do something for the sake of like, ah, I'll get him, yeah, that's a dick move. It feels even if it has the intended impact, Mm, yeah, yeah,
3: it feels a a, a related although not exactly the same as what we got in things like latter seasons of Game of Thrones and stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, people on Reddit have figured out where the story was going to go. Yep. So I can't do that, even though that's the natural. Even though I've been setting up the story to do that thing, that's the natural progression. So
2: I need to swerve on them. I'm going to consciously swerve them, and yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. Like it's a satisfying like, narrative, I want to surprise them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It
3: feels it feels like surprise at the cost of satisfaction. Satisfaction. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that it has to be a Happy ending, and they all have to get exactly what they want and go off into the galaxy, into the sunset, holding hands, skipping through a field of daisies. I I love bittersweet endings. They are they are what I aim for in fiction. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a little bit sad, a little bit happy. Yeah. Um, life, life. Um, but that death in particular to me feels like because it's not given time. And because it happens so near the end of the film, where there's so much literally else, like
0: twenty minutes left, something yeah, like that.
3: There's there's still a lot of plot happening, and we don't we get I think about thirty seconds, maybe a minute of like time to mourn for this character. We get maybe twenty seconds in the in in the in the actual instant. We get a conversation between Wash and Mal which is subtextually about, sorry, not between Wash and Mal, between Zoe and Mal, which is kind of subtextually, hey, are you going to be all right? Yeah, I'll be all right. And we get one like funeral thing that's basically one shot of uh, of three characters who have died in the film um, being mourned for. And to me, that doesn't feel like enough time. I'm totally here for a sudden death, but even if you have a sudden death, you need to explore the impact of it on the characters.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, the, the reality of like a warlike scenario or a chase or something where mm. it's like, we can't stop. We can't think about it right now. We'll mm. deal with it in a minute. Yeah. And then the way you deal with it is everything. Yes. If you, if, if you say, uh, it's very unsatisfying. And I know we may have been guilty of this on a podcast through editing or otherwise. It's just constant stream of thought. Where we say, well, we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. Yeah. And we never do. <laughs> yeah. Christ. Well, we've, that's, def- we've definitely done uh, that. Yeah. Grind some people to pieces. And this is the same thing. It's like, yeah. You're going to show me the impact of this? Yeah. It's like, well, you know. Yeah.
3: This character who I've grown to love. Yeah. Are you going to sh- like, you've killed him off? That's a big move. Are you going to show me how that impacts all the other characters who I also love? Yeah. In this very, in this, you know, you, uh, Joss Whedon, so many of his shows are about, like, found family. You have this crew of this ship that have become a family. Are you going to
2: show me the fallout of this character's death on everyone else? No, not really. And it's like you could you could easily argue, some people may, may in fact do right now, where you're like, yeah, but that that's kind of how some things go sometimes. And you're like, not in this universe. The rules you've <laughs> established have told me that that's not how this would work. Mm. It's like, oh well, sometimes life is death. Like as life just ends. Mm. It's so dramatic and sudden. That's the end of it. It's like mm. not in this universe.
3: And also, yes, like. Death can be sudden, and it can be that in the moment you don't get time yep. to process it. But these characters then carry on. We see a chunk of time after the, the, this event happens, and after the final battle, when their lives aren't in jeopardy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and there's very little given over to processing mm. those deaths that have happened because it happens so towards the end of the film.
2: Judy Taurus carries a flame to a rock, which is a problem. Yeah, it's like. She doesn't seem impacted, and you're like, "Well, because she's mm. a soldier. It's how she is as a personality. It'd be a betrayal." I was like, "No, it wouldn't," because we've seen her react when he dies. Yeah, with literally, and that's some fucking amazing acting right mm. there. Um, people talk about corpse acting, and like, oh my god, I get to die. Yeah, it's like, like, like death in real life. It's those that are left picking up the pieces that you want to be watching, and the eyeballs. Yeah. on. Yeah. Um, and Gintars does a great fucking job. Yeah. Nothing so, else.
3: As a death, I think it's fine. As a examination as uh, i wish there was more fallout to it fair um but when we
2: said sudden death it was the one that immediately came to mind for a lot of people i imagine it would yeah for a big swathe of um of fans and 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 genre fans i think that is because it was impactful Mm. for lack of a pun um but it was impactful because of the formula yeah it was impactful because of The storytelling, as you say, wasn't it was it was a shock. It's a jump scare, is what it is. It's the equivalent to a slasher movie, like, oh shit! Oh, someone just got fucking stabbed. Yeah. That's the impact, not the whole my friend is gone. Yeah. Is what it should be. But yeah. Good shout, Tim. Good shout. Jack. Hey Tim. Let's come over to you for your
3: sudden death. Sudden death. I'm
0: gonna talk about a sudden death. Probably the most recent one that genuinely surprised me and caught me off guard. Yeah? In a film where it really kind of plays with the edge of the knife in that way. We are not sure how this is all going to play out. And the, the atmosphere that it builds and the world that it exists in is so kind of sleazy and full of bad shit and horrible people. Anything could happen. And then this death happens. And I'm like, oh, oh, shit. Okay, this is where this film is going. Spoiler alert Roof. for a film that came out a few yeah. years ago. Mm-hmm.
3: 2019.
0: 2019, exactly. Thank you, Tim. Spoiler alert for Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. Skip forward a few minutes. I'm sure your podcast app has a little skip forward button. Skip forward like five minutes.
2: If you hear Sandler, keep going.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you hear us doing Adam Sandler impressions, we're still on Uncut Gems. <laughs> skip forward now. Are we all gone? Okay,
1: good.
0: <laughs> when Howard Ratner gets shot in the face, I was like, "Oh my <laughs> god." And it really does I think it does what Serenity fails to do is build up a tension and an atmosphere as I said where anyone can die mm. because there are criminals, there's guns, we know there's guns involved, there's drugs and shit going on, there's gambling and all kinds Mm, of like sordid shit that results Mm. in real world violence and people Mm. dying in real life. And it is a very dirty, grimy, not like gritty and dark, but like grimy and horrible kind of film. Mm, Yeah. Where Howard, the main character, is not a nice guy and all credit to Adam Sandler, like a spectacular performance Mm. by Sandler as much as I can't fucking stand most of his comedy stuff over the last Twenty years, but what the Safdie brothers do with how they use the sound design and and build the tension through the score and everything, and then the performances from everyone from Kevin Garnett, who's a fucking <laughs> basketball player who is suddenly really good, yeah, through yeah. to Julia Fox's breakout role, Adam Sandler, like it's it's a fantastic performance all around, and it be- it builds this really believable group of characters, and you really kind of. Not as it get invested in like, yeah, Howard's going to make it. But in a like, oh, wow, I have no idea where this is going to go. This could all go brilliantly. And it's it's that perfect balance of the tragedy where Julia is about to get away with it and escape. And she's escaping with the money and this whole thing. Mm. And like, oh, my God, she has no idea Howard has been shot in the face and killed. And it is such a sudden thing because... He, I think he has the criminals trapped, doesn't he? The the loan loan shark guys trapped. Yeah, and And he's holding pen as it were. Yeah, he finally releases them, and you're like, oh my god, this is all gonna play out.
3: Having won enough money to pay them back. Yeah, it's like
0: million, like more than a million dollars, whatever Mm. it is. So you're Mm. like, holy shit, it's all worked out. This is a really like tightly constructed Mm. film. This has worked really well. And then one of the loan shark guys just gets the like the boss guy gets too pissed off. And it's like, I've had enough of this. You've kept Mm. me locked up for too long. And just blow blast his fucking Mm. brains out. Wow. Okay. And if it Mm. had been any sort of like, it was kind of what I was hinting at earlier when I talked about the sudden death where you know they're dead. Mm. There wasn't a shot in the arm or like, oh, Adam Sandler Mm. crawling and he's shot in the gut. And he's like, oh no, oh man, I'm not gonna make it, but send Julia Mm. the blah, 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 whatever. No, it's just bang and he's dead. Like, oh my God. And it's just Over the counter, point blank range, so visceral, so sudden.
3: It's so sudden both in the violent like the the suddenness with which the violence explodes out. Yeah. When you think that you've reached this point of victory for the characters. Which is what Serenity plays with, right? Yeah. It's exactly Mm -hmm. that Um, similar kind of thing. And with like you say, like there's if it was a weaker film, it would be like he gets hit in the neck and like has a moment to like not Why? Even, yeah, like, do something, but it's not. It's just, like, shot, dead, falls yeah. to the ground. That's yep. it.
0: Yeah. it's a. I think it's a brilliant moment. It really kind of solidified how bold and interesting Uncut Gems is for me, and how much I think I was the first of the three of us to watch you were, it. You yeah. were, you were. Because, obviously, it was released on Netflix, and Matt is obviously king of the cinema, but... Yeah. I can often get in on early on the on the some of the streaming film things and and beat Matt to it. That's it about the only way I see films before you. I think <laughs>
2: yeah it was it was award season season sort of madness because it was 2019 yeah. in America. I think it was a delayed release for Netflix was over here yeah. like 2020 maybe sort of thing, but as an early thing mm-hmm. but again, it's the whole like shit, need to get certain things at certain times in cinema. I'll mm-hmm. get around to it. We all know that I'll get around to it films. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I it was fantastic it though
0: this morning. oh wow. It's not a morning film Tim. Wow, that's a <laughs> I don't know, I'll fucking wake you up. Saturday fucking
3: morning. Yeah. Yeah. How was that in, in between my cartoons? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, well so it was interesting going into it because I had obviously seen Jack put this he didn't put the character in our little I purposely didn't do Google that. Drive docs um but put down uncut gems as his choice for sudden death and I was like, "Oh, okay. I should probably watch this film that I've been meaning to before Jack talks about it in the episode. Um so are you, I knew, Are you glad you did? So I, I I'm very glad I did. I thought it was great. Um so I knew that there was something, something coming and happen. I could and I could kind of imagine what was happening. I was like, I'm I don't think Adam Sandler's making it out of this film alive. I actually thought it was gonna be the guy who keep, who shows up a couple of times. Who's been fobbed off with the fake Rolex? Oh yeah, and I thought it was gonna be yes because that that to me felt like a very that if that had happened, it would have reminded me of the abandoned ending of Clerks. I, I knew you were gonna <laughs> say that. yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where this character who is so tertiary to the plot just shows up and is like, "Hey, you
2: fucked me over!" Bang. Um, Same thing happens in Carlito's Way, and you're like. Ugh. Hey remember me Benny from the Bronx as mm-hmm. John Languazamo. it's like oh that's unsatisfying <laughs> i don't want that yeah yeah um
3: so i think this was much better version and it's it is it's it's like tragic but almost entirely understandable because Adam Sandler's so that character is so annoying but compelling yep like if you knew him in real life you would hate him oh, but to yeah. watch the film following him is so good because you're just like, oh my god, you're making so many mistakes. Like, why can't you just fucking get your life together? Like, no, what the fuck, are you? No, why would you do? Yeah. Oh my god, you idiot! Why yep. are you doing this? Yep. And then it starts, it starts coming together, and you're like, oh my god, I can't believe you've pulled this out of your ass, mad genius! What yep. the fuck? Yep. Oh my god! And then oh, and he's dead. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's
0: that brilliant. I think hmm. you're totally right. That epitomizes Howard, the main character for me, is that like. God, you fucked your life up. Like your wife and kids <laughs> hate you. There's a whole thing. Like, what? What are you doing with your life, honestly? And then it all comes together, and you're like, is this piece of shit actually gonna? Oh my God, this is all yeah. coming together. Oh, what? How is this? Is are you really gonna pay off on this? Like, like
3: forty minutes from the end, you're just he. It, like everything's fallen apart, and you're just like. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, fuck you.
0: You probably deserve
3: this. Yeah, like... <laughs> but also there's 40 minutes of this film left. Where's it going? And it's like, <laughs> and then it starts like coming together. It's like, oh, he's back, and he's like, yeah, he's happy to buy the the opals. Like, oh, okay, okay. Well, I guess he's got the money. He can pay back the thing. Oh no, he's fucking he's on a fucking bet again. You fucking moron. Oh yep. man. yeah, yep. it's a real roller coaster ride, and that like sudden stop at the end um, is so. It feels entirely in tone with the film, like you say. It's this grimy, sweaty, like <laughs> mm-hmm. you can you can sort of almost like smell just the like farty kind of <laughs> air, poor and all the, air and all the condi- cologne and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah poor yeah. air conditioning, just like bad aftershave, fluorescent yeah. light, just world that this creates. Um, And like the fact that it's the it's like the loan shark's lieutenant, and then the loan shark who is also um, his brother in law, then like freaks out and tries to run away and also gets gets killed, and it just turns into this like diamond store robbery, and it's just like,
2: yeah, this was probably how it was always going to end for these characters. See, (laughs) that's why Uncut Gems is frankly quite Shakespearean. Mm. To quote back to uh, these violent delights have violent ends. It's like, yes, and and, and to, to fucking quote supernatural of all fucking things, so it ends one way, ends bloody, it ends bad. That you you kind of know how it's gonna. Even even if it works out, that that's well, that's the, the, the two options. One is it goes down the road like no, it's it's gonna be bad. Everything everything in my body is It's not gonna work out. Or it ends despondent. Because it works out and nobody learns anything. Yeah. And it's like, fuck's sake, that's even worse. So, yeah, it. and I think it's a fantastic pick. I mm. really do. Uh, yeah. And an example of the fact that what's most frustrating, uh, which I've seen a few times, like Punch Drunk Love, Adam Sonic like an act. Yeah. He's fantastic yeah. in this yeah. film. Yeah. He's given like, something interesting that. to do and something... And in. a director
3: who can rein in his worst impulses. Yes, yeah, very much or, so. Or harness
0: them properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the Safdie brothers pointing him in the right direction and being like, do it like this. People find you annoying as fuck. Be annoying as fuck. Mm, yeah. Play into that. Yeah. This is the character. This this works perfectly. For They'll want
2: to shoot you themselves until they see it happening. <laughs> they go, Why do you do that? Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. five minutes ago, you wanted to do it too. It, yeah. It, it's kind of... Playing on the the
0: Walter White kind of thing. You should not be rooting for Walter White or Tony Mm. Soprano, you touched on Soprano as well. They're terrible, murderous, horrible, Mm. drug dealing motherfuckers. Mm. But you're like, oh yeah, but he's the main character though, isn't he? Like he should get away with it. Yeah, (laughs) it's the
3: it's the inherent like empathy machine that is cinema. It's the thing that at the end of Psycho, when we see like Norman Bates trying to sink the car, because we've been following him for like a chunk of time now, we're like come on get, yeah get away with it hmm. Be- because that's just how our brains are wired to work it's, yeah and it's
2: an it, i say new it's fucking 100 years or so but <laughs> there's an arguably new attitude to it because the Hayes code sort of classic reaction was villain dies at yes, the end. yeah you can't have uh, the, the, the the moral is crime doesn't pay mm. yeah and this is a prime example of that you know you see like Oh, what has happened to oh, all Caesar? You know, that sort of stuff. It's the, the old Edward G. Robinson kind of stuff from Little Caesar. It's, was this the end of Rico? That kind of thing. It's, it's all supposed to end this way. Yeah, mm. yeah. But when you see it, you go, that's ah, unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Matt, how about you? Your pick for a sudden death. So interestingly, I really not just thought about this now, actually, because we were doing obviously a lot of research, thinking about a lot of different films, yada, yada, yada. And again, as I said before, There'll be so many people listening to this. This may be more than anything we've done in, in previous episodes where we'll, someone will say, why didn't you talk about Mufasa? Oh, it's going to be a million of those. Why didn't you We this? get that. All the yeah. time. Why you mention Gennaro getting bitten on the toilet in fucking mm. Jurassic Park? It's like motherfucker, there it, are millions. Can't believe, can't believe you talked about
3: sudden death. You didn't talk about the departed. Exactly. Yeah. See, yeah.
2: there's gonna be so many we of them. We already those. do three hour
3: episodes.
2: <laughs> like, um, yeah. Maudie, what do uh, you want from Do you want like a Wikipedia article list? We just literally read things <laughs> out. <laughs> it already exists. Yeah, Go and read it. Go Google it. Tell us on the Discord and Twitter and shit. We'll listen yeah. to you. It'll be cool. But anyway. I've only just realised, despite all the research and thoughts about what's impacted me recently, what's been like stuck with me for a long time. Yada yada yada. It's almost mostly listening to Tim talk about it. It's not really the sudden death. It's not really the sudden nature of the bang, click, Mm. stab, whatever it happens to be, the drop. It's the build up to it Mm. and the fallout from it. Yep. Mm. How quickly the film finishes or how much goes on doesn't. So yeah. So that's relevant to my example, which is. Neon Genesis Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 thrice upon a time. <laughs> Can't believe we're still talking about these fucking movies <laughs> and their long, <laughs> stupid fucking titles. Hey, hey, you want your one word titles again? <laughs> yeah. If you want
0: to hear us talk about this in more detail, we go through it on the recent, what we've watched recently episode.
2: We do. Patreons. We do. So, yeah. yeah. Should have just called it Shinji. <laughs> Shinji 4. <laughs> I mean, so basically, um, it's the fourth. Film that follows on from another film, kind of another film, and a TV series. Yeah. And it all is relevant and isn't because that's mm. Evangelion.
0: We won't get into too much Evangelion. Nope. <laughs> We've kind of covered it already.
2: But the things you need to know are there are kids who have been put into robots, which are also kind of fleshy angels. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, t- to fight other things, big monsters. Um, and they are trauma. It's the it's the it's the real life trauma one would expect for that kind of thing. Rather than like, oh, what a cool! I've got to do it. I've got to step up and I've got to pilot the thing. It's like no, that's a monstrous thing to do, and you have to like sync up with everything, and you know it affects your 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 psychology and everything else, and then go into it and yada 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 yada. The fourth film, which people been waiting for me, me personally, I've been waiting for this for nearly fucking what nearly thirty years, twenty plus years. And these characters have meant so much to people. And the last few versions of, of this uh, franchise, the films, the re- redo series, Evangelion 1, 2, 3, and Thrice Upon a Time, just just to be for shorthand. 1, 2, 3, and 4. Yes, yeah, it 4. Um, the first two films recapped a lot of what we already knew in a very familiar way with minor adjustments. The third one went a bit off the rails. The fourth one went completely different. It's a two degree and i personally think they're all fucking fantastic i think they work magnificently as a whole piece it's so singular and unique and amazing there are very long complex things to talk about but the the central trinity of characters being shinji ray and asuka and um all the all the psychology and fucking freudian shit behind that but after they um in in one aspect fail their mission um they find themselves in a small town. And this film, which is full of huge bombastic ideas and mind-bending fucking visuals and just the philosophy and theology and all these things playing into it that goes mad, has a really slow burn start saying, we're going to get to it, but we need to pace ourselves. Let's spend time in this town with these survivors who've built themselves up out of a community. And let's show Oscar, who is a hothead who is furious all the time and make her more complicated and understand who she is. Shinji, who is just emotionally damaged through and through. He's a sad boy. He's a fucking sad boy. You've got Tom Holland, little boy, you've got Shinji, sad boy. <laughs> um, and he's so confused, so disrupted. Every time he, he's getting a handle on something, he goes, I think I'm okay. I think I'm going to be alright. Some fucking awful cataclysmic event happens to him. One particular event is my sudden death. And Ray is kind of just a clone. That's the best, the fastest way to say it. She's a clone. And she is understanding how humans interact. She's very standoffish, very cold, very uh, distant and aloof because she doesn't have the capacity to, to be anything other than this living doll, basically. And Shinji's remembering someone from the past and he's trying to just sort of impress all this stuff and project it onto her and trying to get her to be this person, but she can't because that's not who she is. And she's sort of going through, she meets a baby for the first time and she's sort of understanding things and like trying to get her head around it. And she has a self awareness that she um, her time is finite. Now obviously yes, because this is deals with such cataclysmic, apocalyptic stuff. That's true for most people. And she walks over to Shinji, hands him a little tape recorder, has a tiny little, not even like a speech, she just says, um, she understands now and things like that. And he says, okay, is everything alright? And she says, goodbye. Stands still and explodes into a puddle of liquid. just <laughs> to... <laughs> just <laughs> and all that's left is this suit. Yeah. Like this little morph suit, this little body suit that she's in, this plug suit. Now, one could argue, as with Uncut Gems, as with all the, the, the points in Serenity that tell you the, 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 the signposting that this is coming. Mm. If you know what to expect with Whedon, if you don't want to expect this kind of story, you know what's coming. Same thing here. Uh, And the fallout from that is, again, the emotional trauma and how Shinji just goes, I can't, I can't, I can't deal with this anymore. I'm I'm off the rails. And again, the the impact later is how it's been brought back in different forms and what it means. But just as an audience member saying, okay, a little bit of stillness. We'll get some weird shit later. (laughs) It's probably not weird shit time yet. Yeah. And then she just stands perfectly still and... (laughs) And it's like, and it's it's such a sudden thing to, because this is a, a series and a film series that fucking does this shit all the time does, with weird yeah. stuff that makes no sense. But it's like, yep. oh, she's made of LCL fluid. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like she yeah, she's just She's,
0: she's, she's, she's f- a clone made out of jelly. We find out about it. It, w- it won't matter, it's just a clone or Oh, it matters.
2: X-Men one. <laughs> yeah. What's his Because it doesn't get a speech and hold someone's oh, hand. She just stands there and she accepts it and it's sudden for the people who survive Because that's how death tends mm. to be And for the audience It's like What? What? Yeah. And you're just so and, and this character Who has essentially been One of the three core characters For yes. the entire series Film series, etc that's, that's followed And the thing is That you should know This is coming Because again We've, we've had the divergence From the things you were familiar with from the series Because it's kind of like A remake effectively mm. Sort of um, Because Time loop Yeah Because Kaoru In the previous film who you think, ah, this will be a good boy for the sad boy. This will be fine. This, uh, ah, no! <laughs> His fucking head! Oh, no, come on! So you see this abrupt death stuff all the time. Happens in every one of these versions, every iteration, same shit sort of happening. But it still catches you off guard. And then it's the impact of Fallout from that. It's like, you know, how much did she... Because the thing is, I should point out, you know, she realizes that she can't exist out of this thing. You start to question, how long did she know this? She's, she's like, oh, this is... Water. Oh no, I'm crying. It's that kind of like not really like, again, full on mental health sort of stuff it touches on. But yeah, as a viewer, you don't see it coming until I just told you about it. Um, <laughs> but even then, it's just like if you just watched it on like YouTube, I said we talk about these things being divorced. If you just mm. watch like 15 saddest deaths in films, <laughs> if you watch them back to back, unless you actually have the context of who these characters are, it might not. It might be shocking, but it might not mean anything. Yeah. Whereas this one is like. Uh, it's all—it's so body horror that it's like—is mm. she—is she supposed to be goo? Yeah. Is this a thing? Is she coming back? And the thing is that Shinji doesn't seem to know either. Mm. And you have that despair and 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 in the, in the, in the mm. voice acting and stuff like that. So yeah, um, it's fucking fantastic and mm. just another uh, going into Evangelion is another opportunity for somebody to say, "How's your mental health right now? Is it stable?" <laughs> it's like, don't be fucking stupid. No, of course it isn't. Good. I want to rattle it a bit. Yeah. So please don't.
3: And that's such a, that's a very, and I say this as someone who watched the original, like watched Evangelion when I was about 18, not paying 100% attention to it. Maybe a little bit stoned at the time. Um, that's not the wrong <laughs> and, way to do it. <laughs> and I And I think I watched End of Evangelion. Sure. Maybe. Pretty sure
2: our, our friend Ben Allen, who was on the Super Paper Power Hour, he's like loves Eva and stuff like that. And he was watching it with his girlfriend and went, Hang on, I remember this fucking scene. <laughs> Apparently, he'd never seen the end of Evangelion. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Yeah, the wanking scene. He went, The what? <laughs> anyway, but, but anyway
3: it, it feels saying this as someone who has loose memories of it, mm. it feels like a very Evangelion thing to be, to be oh, like, Oh, God, yeah, to, to, to have that thing of. What she like? All that's left is jelly. Like she was, she was like a, you know, I know she was a clone, but she was like a living human person that I related to. And now there's just jelly. Mm. And it's like, yeah. What do you think happens to you when you die? There it you're is. You're
2: basically just like. What do you think? Your what's so special about your body mm. It's just. Imagine it's a time lapse. Problem yeah. solved. Yeah. It's it's so fucking. It's like yeah. You are dust, and dust you return. That's like we mm. we we say it in all the like you know. Rituals of death. It's the idea of like uh, ashes a, to ashes, dust. To there dust, it and is. That kind of stuff, yeah, yeah. Mm. there's a beautiful, um, Another David Bowie songs. Yeah, <laughs> precisely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a mind fuck. And if it was live action, it would look possibly silly or it mm. would look even more Cronenberg and traumatizing. Mm. But the way it's again. Death can and can't be beautiful because of what you put in it, but it is a beautiful death because mm. it's so tragic and so haunting and so alien mm. because it doesn't feel like it could be real. And yeah. also that thing's got a lot of fucking, am I seeing a real thing right now? <laughs> is any of this real? Yeah. Does it mean anything? So that's my sudden death. Um. Even if, even though I told you about it, you'll still go into the whole thing again, watching it and going, oh yeah, cool. Oh, wow. Well. Oh, Matt mentioned this. The village. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Still fuck you up. <laughs> and my, my my closing line of my review after the whole thing was the sort of speech she wrote out before she dies because she knows it's coming. It's it's tragic and it's wonderful. But moving away from sudden deaths, mm. the ones you don't see coming. Shall we talk about um regular deaths? Yeah, the, the <laughs> thing people tend to think about with film deaths. Yeah. The I get to do a speech. <laughs> yeah. The monologuing death. Yeah. And I know a lot of people are like gonna say like things like, um, "What counts as being dead? If you are dying every day because of how your cells <laughs> are, fuck you." <laughs> I know I just said about I, Ray Iron I, Yeah, r- realizing she's dying—is that a drawn-out death or not? No, <laughs> there are very. I think there are sort of you know. Yeah, margins. You know but, it when you see it. That's yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, it's the porn thing. Yeah, yeah, good word.
3: Um, go ahead, Tim. Uh. So yeah, speaking of tragic but beautiful deaths. Uh my pick uh is is kind of like we're talking over this a little bit cuz we're like oh does that count as like oh yeah not necessarily drawn out but like regular and it's like well it's interesting because it's essentially uh what we think of as a kind of standard cinematic death paired with a sudden death. Um uh which is the death of Leon in Leon. Yeah. And also the death of Stanfield in it. Because he takes him out with him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um uh, God, I love Leon. It's um, such skipping. a good film. Um and it ends in kind of the only way that it could end. Um and you know, we talked a little bit earlier about not just characters dying, but how characters approach death and how characters approach killing. Uh, and Leon is a killer. He is a hitman. He is a character who has killed a whole bunch of people. And, you know, to to quote uh, John Cusack's character in, in Gross Point Blank, if he shows up at your door, you've probably done something to deserve it. But yeah. equally, you're still killing people yes even if you've got your no women no children rule you're
2: still still doing it for money you don't know yeah. why you're yeah. not a court-pointed executioner who's been like i've seen all the evidence i agree yes. this person needs to die it's like someone paid me enough
3: yeah and yeah. and especially for leon because he's so he's kind of being screwed over by um i forget the name of the character but like his the guy who's kind of managing him yeah, yeah, like, yeah i yeah. take care of the money and you Tony. know you just get your jobs and you know you know Mm -hmm. we take that's the arrangement we have um and so in a lot of ways it's kind of inevitable that leon has to die because obviously the film is about his relationship with matilda and he's kind of becoming a a surrogate father for her um after her
2: family dies in the the american edit definitely just a father in the european edit kind of questionable what's going on yeah
3: (laughs) Um, but it's kind of the perfect ending in that you know he sacrifices himself so that she can get away, yeah and have a new start in life you know she can she can get out of there, she can escape from Stanfield, who's trying to like wipe out e- evidence of what he's done and she can after having had like a miserable home life and then this time with Leon where it was both very innocent and also drenched in death Mm, you know and the the, the mechanics of death as much as it was kind of treated as this almost sort of make pretend like kind of slightly sort of not fairy tale but kind of School ground kind of approach to it, even when they're up on a like roof sniping at a oh, yeah, senator or yeah. congressman or whatever. He's meant to be jogging in the park and stuff like that. It's it's kind of there's a slight whimsy to it, and um, and then you get to the end of the film and the great action scene towards the end of the the SWAT team raiding Leon's apartment and him managing to find a way to get Matilda out of there. And then you have the moment when you think, oh, is he actually going to escape? Mm-hmm. And it's a, uh, you know, the, the, the scene, the whole kind of build up of the, of the raid happening is filled with so many smart moments by Leon. Like he's so clever in how he, he's so caught in this trap of like, he, he's like, okay, I'm in a really fucking bad situation here. I've got a SWAT team raiding my apartment. Yeah. But he, is so clever in how he starts taking people out um and the way he approaches it, that great fucking moment when they all step in and then you just see his hand come down and close the door behind them yeah, yeah. oh yeah so good and you have that that far, that moment where you're like oh he's disguised himself as one of the injured cops he, he's gonna make it out yeah oh my god so good He's gonna reunite with Matilda and they're yep. gonna go on and keep having adventures and it's gonna be, you know, dark but fun and but you it's know. happily ever after. Exactly. And that sequence of him going down the stairwell, and all the other cops are like, Oh, good, yeah, good on you, buddy. You know, you get down, you get to first aid, and all that kind of stuff. Goes through that kind of abandoned building, and then Gary Oldman just shows up behind him and it does that great thing of, i don't think i i did re-watch but it was a little while back now i don't think you actually hear the gunshot or it's muffled if you do mm-hmm. but you're from leon's point of view at that final moment and it's so the cinematography is so great because it's this very dark room and he's heading towards this open doorway that's light and it's yeah like, classic your, 90s. Symb- your symbolism is like pretty pure there yep like he's heading towards the light that is him escaping this life it's a literal exit exactly yeah. mm. and then there's just that moment that kind of gunshot and then he kind of stumbles and the camera kind of the, the point of view camera stumbles and he looks down and he's like oh i've been shot
2: there's a lot of mask pov breathing yeah, it all, yeah. there's so many components working yeah.
3: yeah um and then, then Gary Oldman's character is just kind of like stood over him, finally face to face after this kind of whole sort of game of cat and mouse, and or cat and cat perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> <that> they've been <laughs> cat playing. And cat, I like that. Yeah, mm, yeah. Uh, throughout this whole film, and you get that fantastic moment, which is set up earlier in the film if you watch a certain cut of it. Interesting. Um of Leon handing him something and saying, This is for Matilda. And then Gary Oldman looks and it's the ring pull to his grenade Mm -hmm. and he's like, oh shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you just get that explosion. And obviously quite a sudden death for Gary Oldman's character,
2: but the death is sudden the scene is not no yeah, exactly
3: yeah. and for leon it is that drawn out he gets that moment of grace to essentially do the thing that he has been trying to do this is like and gary oldman's so great in that film just absolutely off
2: his nut Yep. um yeah and and almost kind of demonic in his glee sweaty and screaming in that fucking tan suit being yeah <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. yeah. Um, probably, probably friends
3: with uh, all the people in Uncut Gems. Yeah, <laughs> similar energy, similar. Energy, yeah, that's sure. very true. Yeah.
2: Um, Sleazy, sweaty, s- and horrible. Stumbles yeah. off one set onto another. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. Um, and you know, it, 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 essentially, the that that moment of ending that of, of Leon dying, you're like, oh, it threatened. It, it, like, if if Samfield knows what has happened, he's going to keep hunting Matilda down. But Leon, in that final moment of sacrifice, gets to stop that and gets to say, even though I am dying and taking you with me yep. and this person who I've grown to care about so much is going to get the life that it's they deserve. freeing
0: Matilda from that cycle, right? Exactly. From the, the loop of tragedy is, and death. Exactly, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it, it is yep.
3: explosively breaking the cycle <laughs> yes. Of life, yes, yes. It's blowing yeah. it up. Um,
2: well, and yet the final thing being a tree being planted is like, mm, mm. is this seed in her, or is she going to genuinely turn yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah,
3: yeah, um, yeah, so it's one of my favorite deaths on film because it's, it's, yeah, it's a good show pitch perfect um and uh and emotional as all fun, and emo-, and, emo- yeah. and so emotional because you
2: like yeah, I mean, one thing we sort of avoid talking about in the first half was our personal relationship with these things. Because it would always oh, yeah, devolve definitely. to this. Yeah. yeah. Moments I was going, I just, I, I just uh,
3: got, <clears throat> Yeah. Jean Renault is so good in that role. Yeah. Like
2: I I'm trying to think like there's an innocence in a weird way and there's a
3: killer. He's so he's so childlike and like, you know, him yeah. doing the like Charlie Chaplin impression and the pig oven glove and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um and I'm trying to think whether I saw like m- like Mission Impossible or Leon first, like when I was growing up, because I they would have been about the same time when I saw yeah. them. Obviously, right, Leon yeah. was made earlier. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. But like, and those two characters feel almost like a flip side of each other because <laughs> they're both these like greasy Frenchmen who kill people. Um. Yeah. but But one is like. A scumbag and uh, who betrays people, and the other one is so. It's a little boy, you say, he's, 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 he's just a little it's boy. A little boy, it's a, little he's boy. Just a little boy. He just happens to be like a forty-five-year-old Frenchman who kills people. <laughs> <laughs> um, accurate. Yeah, and yeah, and, uh, yeah. and I, I think it is a, it's. And to, then you follow up with the scene of the planting of the plant, and to me that symbolises that she has found home. Oh, definitely. Yeah. There's you know. there's so much you could read into it. Yeah yeah. 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 Obviously it's, it's, it's multi-level kind of metaphor. There's a lot of sim- symbolism you can read into yeah. it, but to mm-hmm. me, that's like a perfect ending to that film. Oh, I mean, like it's, it's absolutely the ending it's heading towards, but it feels entirely deserved. And tying back to the serenity thing, it feels earned. It feels, it feels earned.
0: It
2: feels appropriate. Yeah. And it's it's interesting it? because Gina Torres has a funeral scene for Wash as well, mm-hmm. actors and yeah. characters. Sorry, sorry. Zoe has <laughs> a scene for Zoe Wash. has a scene for Wash. Yeah, sorry. Gina mm-hmm. Torres uh, has a funeral for Anton the camera waving. <laughs> um, but the exact same thing happens in 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 Leon mm. or the Professional for Americans, um, but it hits different. Yeah, it's just it's it's the difference between stellar filmmaking and competent filmmaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um. And yeah, it's great. Full marks from Tim.
3: I I I love it so much. I can't really talk about it because it's just me gushing about yeah. how much I like that. Dude, I've there. had
2: that with my reviews. Sometimes I'm like, I can't just write
0: I love it over and over again. <laughs> I have to give reasons. So but it's 2,000 words and it's just, I love it. I love it. I love it. 700 times. <laughs> <Yeah. Ugh. laughs> I've come close to that.
3: Anyway, yeah. before I keep waffling on, Jack, mm. what is your pick?
0: Mine is. A bit silly, a bit over the top, very hammy character actory kind of death. I'm going to delve back to one of my all-time favourites. Very much like you and Leon. Oh, when you think of one of my favourites, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and you're thinking, "Oh, Jack, you got so many to choose (laughs) from." Everyone, all the deaths take 45 minutes in there in that series. They do. I'm going all the way back to. The Fellowship, the end of the first movie, mm. and Boromir's. Death. I'll say that one orc. Sorry, and that, that Lerts, <laughs> uh, the leader of the Uruk High. Yeah, <laughs> I know his name. Yeah, yeah, I'm a nerd. I played the um, the Warhammer Lord of the Rings game oh, really yeah. back in the day. Um, that was like the official licensed from the film so they had the same armor yeah. and the spiky shields and that's, stuff. That's
3: still going. You can get yeah. all the like armies a,
0: of the East. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that <was surprising. laughs> yeah, that was a brilliant game. Back that's a day.
2: that's a fucking satisfying sudden death. It was it audible gasp in the cinema when that happened? It's like, because it was like, oh. His head oh, came off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get we'll get to that we'll anyway. To that. Anyway, so Boromir
0: is for me the most interesting character in the first film for the journey that he goes on. Mm. He's the one that is fallible and multi-dimensional, and the other characters grow to to have moments of weakness and, and fallibility later on. Except maybe Aragorn; he's kind of perfect, uh, and <laughs> and Legolas to be, and Legolas is perfect too. Just a Fancy elf. Yeah, they're they're two very handsome, perfect boys. Them fucks. Um, but at least you know characters like Sam and Frodo um get these moments, and even Gimli to a certain extent, learning to not hate elves as much and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> less it's, of it's, a racist. Yeah, <laughs> becoming less of a. That's a character arc. It is. Yeah, yeah. Really, yeah. No, it is. It's really no. It definitely yes. less yeah. racist and more comic relief. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's what I strive for in my life. <laughs> 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 Every day I want to be a little less racist and a little more common relief. Yeah, it's admirable. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, going back to Boromir, the fact that this death comes not too long after he has been basically chasing around the hobbits being like, I can take the ring. I know what I'm doing. I'm a great warrior. The power should be served for Gondor, my home. You little folk don't know what you're doing. You're way out, you know, way deep in uh, what's the phrase above your head that's not the phrase is it out of your out of your depth yeah Yeah. you're way out of your depth with this thing this Mm. powerful magical artifact you don't know what you're doing only men
2: can wield such a thing men
0: can wield such power exactly yeah and he's this (laughs) his character ties so much into his father and his brother and this whole like trying to Earn honor for his house and his family and his home of Gondor and all this kind of shit. And the fact that I said just now he's basically the only like fallible character in the first movie. He's like the the lauded looked-after son of Gondor, but he's kind of a bit of an asshole. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hideously <laughs> misguided. He,
3: he like he, he, in a way that Aragorn can't because he is this like perfect king he's, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, Who, he He's you know he's Aragons a Mary Sue. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah. Um, Boromir represents exactly why men end up as ring wraiths. Yep. And that there is a nobility to him and a desire to do good, but it is undone by his corruptibility yep. and 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 it's.
2: He, yeah, he he is capable of betrayal, and literally betrays the thing he set out mm. to protect. Yeah, but is then redeemed because this is the whole th- that's that's the human side of it. Yeah, it's not that he did he transgressed, which mm. is he, to err as human. To err human. It's the fact that he said, "I fucked up. I need to make this right. I need to, I need it. to do and something." And yeah. he realizes that and, the and hobbits yeah, are self-exact. the right people for the and journey,
3: he, and he underestimates just how bad the ring is basically yeah he doesn't right he doesn't comp he doesn't understand he can't comprehend like because he sees because he sees the hobbits carrying it and thinks well if they can do it then surely i can yeah and then he picks yeah. it up and it's like or, or it starts you know it doesn't even pick it up it just starts doing its thing to him and he's just like oh yeah no. fucking hell <laughs> fucking yeah. hell Oh,
2: so need... rings talking to me, telling yeah, me I should put it, it in. Fucking in me. fucking fucking, yeah. <laughs>
3: fucking
0: hell. So yeah, when it comes back around and it like you say is that moment where these genetically modified orcs, these like super soldiers mm. from Saruman. Yeah. Can travel by daylight. Exactly. They travel by daylight. Oh, that score is so good. Um yeah, and we come back to them just running ransack and just running through these New Zealand forests. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> the, the scenery is amazing. Of course, it's Lord yeah. of the Rings, but seeing them just running through and they're these uh, like,
3: uh, hang on, Jack. It's New Zealand in the books. They actually filmed it in Middle Earth. Oh,
0: sorry, Tim. Yes, yes I <laughs> always get that confused. Yeah, seeing these, they're all these like really, or well, at least perspective wise, because you never know Lord of the Rings. They seem very tall and very powerful and very muscular. They're covered in armor and. There's like war paint and stuff. They've got the white Mm. hand of Saruman on their face. They're covered in blood and stuff. These really intimidating characters. Spiky shields you can use as a surfboard. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That's what you need in a shield. And we see Legolas fighting them off. We see Aragorn fighting them off. Even the hobbits get involved and stuck in and start stabbing with their little knives and Mm. stuff. But Boromir, the the leader, as I mentioned earlier, Lurts, who is this like the the original uruk High, like mm. the, the leader that was chosen by Saruman to hunt down the hobbits and find the ring and all that kind of stuff, has this fucking enormous bow and just fires from half a mile away. That bow's terrifying. Yeah. It is it's a big,
2: beautiful sound design. Yeah, mm. it's incredible. The, feels like a
0: tree being folded. The the mm. silence and then the... The creaking <laughs> of the string yeah. of the bow. And sometimes you don't even see the arrows hitting Boromir. You just oh. see Sean Bean's slow motion hair just <laughs> flying about all over the place. And God, does he have a good head oh, of
2: hair? V! <laughs> oh.
3: Because I'm
0: worth it. Oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah.
3: Um, I may not be worth the ring, but I'm worth Pro V. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, and it's this really drawn out scene. It is very over the top. It is very like, he should be dead by now. But he gets this... Last hurrah, where he gets hit by an arrow in the shoulder and he's mm. dropped down and he's still fighting off all the other orcs. Mm. And then it comes back around and he draws another arrow from that horrible looking mm. bow and fires another one. and It gets him again. Oh, he's down. But he's still fighting, mm. and it's like some fucking pro wrestling thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's like he's he's kicked out. Oh yeah. my god, yeah. he kicked out her too. And the, the champion's oh my god, he's going and... for
3: the Horn of Gondor. He's <laughs> <shouting> the horn. <laughs> Aragorn's was... running with a chair. <laughs> <laughs> he
1: kind of does.
3: Yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> there's these
0: brilliant moments where yeah, like oh, he's done, he's done. Oh, there's a third arrow. He's like down on his knees, mm. and everybody's like, oh, he's fucked. Yeah. And then he gets up and fights yeah, off more rocks yeah. and more rocks like, oh my God, this is going on forever. And it's that final, de- I think it's four or five at the end of it, which is mm. madness,
2: it would be... It should be laughable. Yeah. Or all on the verge of tears. It, yeah. yeah it's,
0: <laughs> that, it's that brilliant thing, right? It is pretty silly. When you watch it completely out of context and you haven't spent the mm. last three hours enjoying and get absorbed yeah, in this yeah, world yeah. and that kind of stuff. You just watch the clip on YouTube you're like, well, this is fucking stupid.
3: And I think the score does so oh, much. Howard oh, yeah. Shaw's
0: score I can't talk enough good things about Howard Shaw's Lord of the Rings. Score. Yeah. The fucking best. Mm. I think it's
3: one of those things where if if you did almost like that, those um like music videos without the music, if you just had like the sound effects, as good as that like the foley is for the bow and stuff like yeah. that, it would just feel ridiculous. Yeah. Because it would just be like, Yeah, how is this dude still going? You believe it with the music. You just yeah. like mm. no. There's this an
2: absurdity is... which is superseded by just the emotional core yeah. being touched yeah. into by me, yeah. I get it. And the the moment where
0: it all culminates and getting towards, as you said earlier, and then the next kind of sudden death we get to is a different character, where the Uruk are not after Boromir. They don't give a shit about him. They <laughs> want the way. <laughs> they want the hobbits. They yeah. want the ring. And he's there on his knees, filled with arrows, just looking solemn and literally defeated, emotionally defeated, realizing like. He has brought this upon them in a certain way because of his corruption. They now don't trust him, and all this kind of stuff mm. realizes where where he's gone wrong, and he knows it's his final moments. And they just fucking ignore him. He doesn't get that heroic moment, mm. and he's just knelt there, and they're all just like, y- "You're dead. He's, dead. Mm. We, he's, we he's no longer care. a threat." And
3: it, yeah, and it's that at the end of the day, he's you know this grand prince of the the
2: heir of Gondor. Not important in this story. Just it doesn't make it out of the yeah. first. Not compared film. to a Hobbit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. he's he's a future king, and he's failed the uh, the psychological, emotional, mental test, and he's now failed the physical test. <laughs> yep. And it's the whole, it's that slump, defeated unworthiness of like, I was saying that this one ranger couldn't be a king because, you know, we don't need a king. We've been yeah. we've been doing this on our own. You yeah. know, my yeah. father's a steward, and I'll be the steward one day. And there's like. Is bigger than anybody. It's bigger Mm. than me. I can't do it. I failed. And it's the scenes of like um, uh, Mary and Pippin being carried off as well. Yeah. Yeah. The last things he sees, effectively. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Before the people he'd sworn to protect, Mm. failing to protect them. And then you get the big orc boss, Lerts. Squaring up to him, one final arrow to put him out of his misery. A point blank. Point blank yeah. range was just absolutely fucking mad. Nailing him. these fucking tree trunks. <laughs> Which we've established
2: isn't necessary. It's spite. Yes. yes. This, this yes, is the cruelty. The cruelty
0: yeah. and the viciousness of the orcs coming through in the Uruk and and having that final, like, vicious moment. And then fucking Aragorn comes in. You get that epic moment. Yeah. He sticks the spiky shield in the tree and he ducks under it and yeah. cuts the tree and all this kind of stuff yeah. and, then, and stabs him through the fucking chest. Oh, cuts off his arm, then stabs him through yeah. the chest, and then he just pulls the sword into him or growls in his face. Yeah. And Aragorn cuts his fucking head off. Yeah, so like, that's another perfect yeah. example of yeah. like
2: the alerts just going, This means nothing. To yeah, me. yeah. Fuck yeah. you. It's like, you know. Yeah. And then it's like Ah head cover. And then the music, everything's stopping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the audience goes. Ah, Jesus! Yeah. His it's it's such a roller coaster of the the like the straight
0: redemption of Boromir then into oh god he's dead. Yeah. And that complete defeated moment where you like you said, Matt, he's he should be an heir and all this kind yeah, of stuff. He yeah. should be going on to become this great ruler mm-hmm. and he has failed so many of these tests. And then Aragorn comes in and mm-hmm. fucking redeems him and yeah, avenges his death and all that kind of stuff. because he's like, the true king. because mm. he's the true king. And you get that amazing kind of relief at the end There, it is. It is a bit silly. And, and he still but...
3: gets a moment after that because he gets final words to Aragorn. Oh, he does. doesn't. Yeah, he's of course he does. He does. still yeah. not dead. Yeah. That's yeah. the whole point. It's, look it's after the,
2: the ring, look after the hobbits. Yeah. All that's all that that's, that's the stuff. drawn out death. Yeah. The death itself is, is painful and horrible to watch. And there's like, He's been oh, dead Jesus on camera for still like, uh, Get me a brick. Minutes. I just one to be over quickly. <laughs> just put him out of his misery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then he gets
0: floated down the river in that lovely final yeah. moment, which is the opening of the second book. Mm. Weird fucking structure from Tolkien. It makes so much more sense as an ending. And I'm so glad they did that in the mm. film. yeah. Rather than having like, oh, the first scene is a funeral from the first book. You're like,
2: what? No. The fuck are you talking Had about? Had that closed nicely.
0: But yeah, having that final battle, and as you correctly said there, Tim, like having that final speech and the moment with Aragorn saying, "You are the true king. I believe in you. Yeah, I have been tested. I have failed, but you cannot fail, and I
2: know you won't fail." Believe in the hobbits. Look after Mm. them. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's there's something beautiful about in Leon, him being this is from Matilda, and it's Mm. a proper like, it's not a it's it is a fuck you, but it's such a tired. I'm doing the right thing for once. I'm. This is a death that matters. Yeah. And Boromir's last thing it's is, of kind of I am so sorry. <laughs> yeah. I've, I should. And, he said, and then at the end, Aragorn's like, it's okay. And that's, that's yeah. a very human thing to do. So, you know, say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So, you know, it's the, I don't want to go, Mr. Stark shit. Yeah. It's like, oh, God, something, something about that just taps into a human emotion. Like, I can't see this earnest, yeah. this, that vulnerability. Yep. Because yep. it's too much sometimes. And yep. you, you want them to have that connection. So, yeah, it's, it's beautiful and tragic. So, come around over to you, Matt. What's your pick? Uh, okay. So obviously, even from the top of the show, from the way I came into this, people are like, it's Matt. It's gonna be rather isn't it? Oh <laughs> yeah. Of Against the wall, like, ship out of danger. His was the most human <laughs> fucking beautiful shit. It's like, oh, it's so impactful, right? Yeah, no. Um oh, okay. <laughs> we have three different types of deaths. Hmm. This was the first one I thought of. It's from a 2015 movie you've probably never heard of. It's genuinely stuck with me as a visual.
0: And it's, once you've seen it, it's hard not to. Yeah. It, you could see harrowing. like a clip
2: on YouTube and go, oh, oh yeah. It's different when it happens. So to give a bit of context before I actually fight the thing, there's a nice symmetry, as I mentioned just now, between Tim and Jack's pick. There is that beautiful, the final line, the defiance of humanity in the face of death, that I get to say something that I my words matter. There's an old classic story about Beethoven, allegedly. He thought he was going to die like five different times. <laughs> kept trying to think of something classy, classy to say. And then by the time he's <laughs> actually going to die, he couldn't say things. he just sort of shook his fist. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if that's true or not. It's obviously classic, like, you know, urban legend, but I like the idea mm. it is true. It's like, oh no, this is the time. Better say something quippy. Uh, uh, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. <laughs> Fucking Disney. Speaking, Speaking of, of Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell. <laughs> 2015, there's a movie called Bone Tomahawk oh. uh, by S. Craig Zahler and uh, it's a western. Uh, it's a long, slow-burn western and it's really goddamn good. Really underrated. Um, a handful of individuals may recognise like Matthew Fox in it and um, Patrick Wilson, David Arquette, Sean Young. There's so many random individuals in it and it's, like, it's kind of like when um, Tarantino started out and was like, I want to go with these actors who haven't been seen in a while. Yeah. Because they're really good. And it's like, yeah, they fucking are. Anyway. so. The Western is about, um, it's, it's wrong to say Native Americans, but it is factually active, uh, accurate. These are individuals who are native to the lands of America. Um, and these cowboys go off on a sort of like uh, revenge quest because people have been nicked from the town, they have been taken, abducted. Yeah, And it's like, oh, we're going to go get a posse up and go get them back. It's like great classic Western shit. And then they get there. And they are these troglodytes. Those don't know. It's like a cave dwelling, it's unevolved. In, in thing. their own words, that is the name they give them in the film as well. Precisely, and they are, you know, inbred cannibals. They
0: kind of look like the Uruk-hai from Lord of the Rings. They're so not really
2: gonna fucking do big, broad, big, scary teeth, bone and, fuckers. And, yeah, ugh.
0: big,
3: big, broad bone fuckers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's the sequel to Big Bad
2: Beetleborgs. So <laughs> Brilliant. Um. Hey, so, 90s kids. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember these classics? One big broad
3: bone fucker. Were we biker Mars or a <laughs> big broad bone, bone
2: fucker, fucker <laughs> kind of guy? We know how you all turned out, you know? <laughs> so, they're in these makeshift... Um, uh, well, they're basically holding pens. They're not even yeah. like cells. They're just holding pens. They're, they're a big box of wood. They can't move. And um, Deputy Nick is in there. And he's pulled out of the cell and Kurt Russell says, hey, you get your goddamn hands off him. And the usual thing we're expecting, he gets like clapped in the face and he goes down quite hard and it's like, oh shit. And he's like, oh no, oh, you goddamn savage bastards. But we know starts, they're cannibals at this point. So we know precisely bad shit's gonna go. We down. know it's gonna get bad. And we know as a film, it's gonna show us a bit, like little snippets of things, like the torture scene at the end of like, you know Braveheart. will see some things. Oh, it's a bit gritty, baby. Oh God! And then you get grit as a resolve. You'll get the almost Urukai of like, oh, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, final. Look
3: like me back on the menu, boy. Yeah, exactly. You're
2: going to get implies it. that Urukai
0: have restaurants. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> menus exist. What does that line mean? So much implication for Middle Earth. Anyway, that is very true. Have you not heard that
2: before? I don't know if I yeah. have. That, that crossed my mind. But yeah, anyway. Orcs have menus, man. The troglodytes don't. Um, <laughs> So or basically... Um, We're laughing about this, because this is... A, it's gonna about to get dark. It's <laughs> about to get real <laughs> fucking dark.
0: A warning. Oh, this isn't a spoiler warning. This is a life le- warning. <laughs> legit
2: like trigger warning. Yeah. This
0: is one of the most harrowing deaths I've ever watched in cinema.
2: Yeah, that, that, no word of a lie. I, I agree, and I've seen a lot of shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been in a lot of fights. No, I, <laughs> Basically, <laughs> it's called Bone Tomahawk for a reason, because these um, adversaries are using... Uh, weapons out of jawbones and stuff. Like, oh, well, yeah. Because, like, deer. Like, no, no, yeah. no. Human. It's like, ah, yeah. ah, oh, oh, that's horrible. Anyway, so Deputy Nick is taken out, and Kurt Russell's given it the classic good old American, you got it. I'm coming back here. <laughs> you, you, you look at me, Nick. You look at me. You don't listen to them. Yeah. It's going to be all right, buddy. He's that kind of great at that. As he's well. fucking big old mustache. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. He looks like yeah. he's just what I hate for. Like, it's the same sort of look. Yep. Uh, the thing that's interesting is he is embodying the classic American ideal of a cowboy. It's a degree of a sheriff. Like, an old grizzled sheriff is just trying to do the right thing. And, and, you know, and there's women folk here somewhere as well. I'm going to protect them women folk. Because all this stuff has, you know, played into it Ugh. anyway. At that point, they strip Nick naked. You see full frontal male nudity. So it's like, yes. oh, that's a bit shocking for a film, even though, mm. it's, you know, you <laughs> see a lot of it. And it's like, oh, oh. Ah. And that then the man they, has a dick. He's got a dick. It's flopping. It's like when Eastern Promises. It's like, oh, uh, there's blades <laughs> just around. Be flopping yeah. around. <laughs> and and Kurt Russell's trying to give the, the, the man is about to die a bit of like you know a, a bit of, bit of grace. I like, no, oh, oh, Nick, don't worry about it. You're okay, man. And they start scalping him. So for those who don't know, that's when you run a blade across someone's forehead, pull the hair off in one swift swift, swift. motion, revealing the skull beneath and taking off all the top of your head. It's great, basically, yeah. Yeah. It's factually a thing that's happened, and it's horrible. It's very traumatizing, because uh, you're alive when it's happening. Um, and then the whole thing shifts a gear, because he's giving this speech, and he knows his friend is dead. He knows he's as good as dead. He's telling him he'll uh, what he wants to hear. We're going to come back. We'll get these sons of bitches. Don't worry about it. It's okay. You hear me, Nick. And Nick is still alive. Then they <laughs> then they hoist Nick up by his ankles, and hold him apart so he's literally spread eagle and you can see like you know everything and you know you goddamn savages mm-hmm. and they take a giant fucking bone axe and bisect him and he's screaming and the
0: fact this is in the drawn out death category this isn't a like kill bill, away. kill bill style or like an anime style where you get the cut and then they like go
3: Oh, and slide yeah. in half in one no. thing. Kate, Kate Beckinsale has not jumped across the room and sliced him in half. Yeah, no no, this no, no, no. This is no it underworld. Is slow. This it's... is slow, brutal, yeah.
0: painful. The bit that you skipped is the bit that I find Oh Maybe the most unpleasant and horrible. Oh shit! They put his fucking scalp in his mouth.
2: Oh, they do. I forgot about and that bit.
0: Nail it to the roof of his mouth. I'm sorry, I completely forgot that. With a big fucking that. bone spike, and I'm like, I was probably sparing people for that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, that bit fucking traumatized me. Yeah, like I've seen people scalped on like westerns and yeah, stuff, and yeah, in video yeah. games and stuff. I'm like, okay, that's a thing. Mm. Fine, a horrible, awful, thing. horrible, horrible fucking awful thing. Yeah, and this is done. Particularly brutally, and I'm already like, "Oh God, this is horrible." I assumed they scalp him, and then they're just gonna like chuck him in the corner somewhere and leave. That's him. it, yeah, 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 yeah. hang and him up they somewhere. Shove the scalp in his mouth, and they about that. This yeah. big like bone spike, wooden spike—I'm not sure—it doesn't particularly matter. Dumber. And they not just a give hygienic it... implement? No, no, they just give it one hard whack into the roof of his mouth. Oh. Just that makes my toes curl. Just saying yeah. it out loud is a you know brutal how, like, you, ritual to it. Yeah, you get the tongue in the roof of your mouth thing. The scratch. And you, yeah. you tickle yourself a little bit. <sighs> oh, there's some things that should not be done, and like yep. spikes through the roof of your mouth. Yeah, and putting I eating d- a Toblerone. It, yeah, <laughs> it's almost as bad as eating a Toblerone. <laughs> it's this. It's just this... You're certainly about the ritualistic nature of it, Matt. Yeah. It's this horrible fucking... It's like, why would you do this? Th- yeah, there's no need for that shit. And it just makes me feel... It dials
2: up my like uncomfortableness by that, Yeah, because um, it's an animalistic thing in a, that a humanoid is doing. That's a human. And you're yeah. like, oh no, that means we're all capable of this. Yeah. I know it's not, but you know what I mean? So then, d- just mercifully try and get people through So who are already cringing. Sorry. A very slow chopping, as if like, chunk wood. Come on. Come on, peel apart, Darth and starting at the dick and working down. Yeah, because again, that's how you would cleave meat. That's 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 butchery, literal how mm, these yeah, things work. Literal butchery, yeah. Um, except it's for a person. And Kurt Russell, his character of of, of Sheriff Hunt, is like trying to be like you bastards. And then at one beautiful moment, and this is his acting, you know, chef's mm. kiss shit. He stops. He goes silent, and yeah. he can't. He's just trying to process what he's seeing as mm. he sees a man peeled apart. Because I think it's like. Fuck! I
0: think the characters go through, and there's the other. I forget the other other guy's name. The guy next to him, oh yeah, yeah, rolls over and like almost throws up. Yes, which is the obvious reaction. Human repulsion. That's the that's the normal. Like, oh, there's terrible shit going on, and one of the characters goes and like Hmm. throws up in the corner. Yeah, but Sheriff Hunt, Kurt Russell's character has that moment, like you said, he's the he's the epitome of man. He's the yeah. the perfect mm. sheriff all West cowboy time. I've he's seen it all. Rugged masculinity. Uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Rugged masculinity. He's seen everything. There's nothing you can't do. And it is the hammer in the roof of the mouth thing. And I'm sorry, I have to keep saying that out loud. And he just goes like, I'll get you mother. F- <clears throat> and he just makes like grunting noises. Yeah. Because he can't deal with it. And it's exactly how I felt. <laughs> yeah. I think I went, <laughs> Oh my God. Oh, oh,
1: oh,
2: And you just get like, yeah. I don't know what noises I need to make. Oh, Jesus Christ. Because you're looking for something in your body that's saying, What previous experience do I have to help me with this? And you're like, I got nothing. And you mm. just like, This just, is not I something I should be seeing. I was like, oh. Yeah. Oh,
0: i would hug myself. I, my... <laughs> I stood on an upturned plug once. How does that work?
2: <laughs> Imagine that in the river of your mouth, Tim. <laughs> but then, then after this thing, it goes so. All you hear is the sound design, it's brutal. And you're seeing the stuff. And then they start eating bits of him. Yep. And it keeps going. Oh, God. And you're like, the f- it, I it's, can't, it's a film I can't that's bold enough
0: this. and terrifying enough to not cut away. Yeah. And like the thing so is, so many other ones would have cut away at one point.
2: Oh, there, yeah, yeah. But fucking hell. And it sounds like it's like, well, that's explosive, disgusting nonsense. Like, it's actually a really good story and it's really well filmed. It's actually it's a, a very brilliant film. good really film. And a this is a traumatizing part of it. And I'm, I'm, I know that immediately this part of the audience is going, that sounds awful. I, think. I have to probably work myself up and try and see this. And so I like, wait, was that Bone Tomahawk? Never watching that shit in my life yeah. ever. I'm going to avoid that If that comes up on a fucking video feed on YouTube, like interesting deaths, fuck you. Um, and that's why I wanted to bring it up. Because there are, you know, tell Tiny Tim I won't be home this Christmas. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the mask where it's like 50 death scenes. and yeah. Tell Scotland I do give a damn. Blah, 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 blah. All this stuff and the long drawn out. Like I could have gone with James Kahn being shot at the uh, the toll booth and the mm. Godfather with yeah, sure. so many squibs and there's so many things you could do, but this is it for me. Mm. I can't, I can't ever see myself realistically seeing a death scene that is so protracted and drawn out that it makes me uncomfortable with the medium I'm enjoying. Mm. Um, it's so surreal, and yet, and I cannot stress this enough. This is a fucking terrifying word. It's still very beautiful because of the sense of the filmmaking involved. It's really well shot. Because when you're watching, you think, how is this... Did they just murk a dude? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's that
0: moment where, in that film, you forget that the troglodytes
2: are actors in a bunch of makeup and stuff. Oh, they're just... They're just and there's no satisfying, like, ah, don't worry, Aragorn go, da, na, 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 na. come in and cut the head off. It's like, I don't think we can come back from this. No. Whatever. Again, that whole, it ends bloody, it ends bad. The violent delights, violent ends whatever you do to these people won't be satisfying yep as an audience member i just want these characters either out or dead quick mm. and that's when you know the death has meant something cuz you're like i, I- again th- you know oh a slow death where you get to say like e- earn this earn this ryan yeah. that kind of like oh oh god it's like nah i, I just want it to be over <laughs> yeah yeah so that's it's that's my drudda fucking death. awful yeah And it will always be the answer, I'm afraid. So let's quickly, quickly, quickly move on. Please do uh, to our final type of death, and I'm bouncing back to
3: to Tim. Yes, and now for something completely different (laughs) in so many goddamn ways. (laughs) Until we get to my pick again, I just bring it all up again.
2: (laughs) It's this one again.
3: (laughs) So our final type of death, after we've gone for the most explicit. Yeah is the implicit. Yes. Ooh. It is the off-screen death. Mm. Um, And these can be... I think, in some ways... Some people find these unsatisfying. But they are... When
0: we go around to my pick. I know a lot of people felt that way yeah. about my pick. Oh, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> but in a lot of ways, we've talked about how they... How death in film is a reflection of death in life and a lot of the time people die and you're not there for it and you find out afterwards um and that you know you don't get to you know run up beside boromir and get those final few words with him you are his father finding out afterwards because someone saw a raft float down a river or heard Mm. the the, the horn of Gondor, kind and of going thing.
0: mental and setting yourself on fire,
3: right yeah. Out of tower, yeah. Eat, eat tomatoes in
0: a
2: really messy way,
0: the, while Billy Boyd sings mm. nicely. Yeah,
2: yeah. The, the death is Boromir. The the reaction is Faramir and and mm. Denethor together, respectively. Then the way they deal with it—that's yeah, yeah, the impact.
3: Yeah. And 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 that is you know we we've talked about there's there's the death and then there's the reaction to it. And yeah. this is much we'll more about the, it, yeah. this is much more about the reaction to it the fallout like you say. Um which which lends itself to to very different storytelling. Um my pick is kind of a slight cheat because you kind of may sort of see some of the death. <laughs> I, I know this, what you mean. I know what you mean. But it is in flashback or potentially like it's not you're not sure if it's it essentially you see a version of it that is counter to the version that you're being told in the film. Mm. And so it's like, well, is this what... Re- the, the, the implication, because you're si- hearing one version and seeing another, is the version you're seeing is probably the more accurate and it's certainly the more tragic version of the death. Yeah. Um, but it's all post-facto and it's after you found out that this character has died. Yeah. The death I'm talking about is Jack Twist in Brokeback Mountain. Mm. Goddamn. Um, Another powerful moving movie. An incredibly powerful mm-hmm. movie. Um, I I was like, oh, I should rewatch that bit just to make sure I know what I'm talking about. And there were bits that I'd kind of slightly misremembered a little bit. Um, so I was like, I was glad I did. And by rewatch that bit, I mean, I started watching it and I was just like, I'm just going to watch all the Brokeback Mountain yeah. again. It's <laughs> so, so good. fucking good. It's yeah. brilliant. Um, and, yeah, it is an incredibly tragic story about these two men who are in love, who, f- through a variety of hurdles, both personal and kind of societal. Societal, for sure, yeah. Yeah, cannot be together, but cannot. Mm. Cannot quit each other.
0: Oh, I can't quit I you. I wish I knew how.
3: To oh, I thought we'd do you. the
2: Young Lee version where he accepted his Oscar, and it was like, uh, oh, that didn't. Yeah, really, yeah, nah, yeah, that, yeah that, that didn't sit right. Yeah. <laughs>
3: um, and then you get to the end of the film, and it follows them through about twenty years of his of, of their lives, with incredible performances by both Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger. Um, when people were like, I think I mentioned this before when when we were talking about the Batman, and people were like oh, who could have believed Heath Ledger would play the Joker so well? He, he was just a, a pretty boy doing rom-coms and stuff. I've only like, seen 10 things you know yeah, about me. Yeah. What else was he in? Like He's like he's really good in a bunch yeah, of other stuff. Yeah. oh, no, the Night's Tale guy. Like, yeah, yeah, the Night's yeah. Tale guy. Also, Actors. Also, Brokeback Mountain like yeah. a couple of years earlier. Like, so good as, uh, as Ennis in this. Mm. And also, like, not in these scenes at all, but Michelle Williams and Anne Hathaway are both great oh this film. yeah and they're like very i think because, painful on a different level yeah
0: because ledger and and hall kind of obviously still the show mm. they are the spotlight there yeah you really kind of forget how good their respective partners mm. are and the performances yeah there as well they're really kind of unsung heroes of that yeah. film for sure and
3: actually i misspoke because anne hathaway is involved in this scene like quite heavily yeah. she's the one who's described. Yeah. yeah anyway mm. um Fantastic film follows them through twenty years of their life, and uh, the the actors involved in it everyone's like twenty five when they filmed this, and you just think like that's insane. You're s- all four of you are so fucking good in this film. It's yeah
2: astonishing.
0: They're all good looking and talented and
2: brilliant. Yeah, Bastard. Yeah. So I was young. I was like twenty one when that film came out. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, there was adults in it. And now I'm like thirty seven. Like uh, they were kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like fucking Zendaya and Tom Holland. It's yeah. kids. Yeah. <laughs> Little boys. Yeah. Like, yeah. Can you imagine can
3: you imagine fucking Tom Holland trying to like do I can that imagine performance
2: studios trying to make him. Yeah. But he might be able to. He, he might he we, might be able to. We may to, not have seen the opportunity to see it. Maybe yeah. like what would Cherry on that? But at present, no. Yeah. Anyway.
3: So we follow these characters throughout twenty years of their life through various like tragedies and turmoil and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And just this inability they have to to find a life together and these small moments of happiness that they eke out, you know, at Brokeback Mountain. And then you just get this moment of Ennis getting a a, a postcard that he's sent to Jack back in the mail, and then it just and it's just stamped deceased. Yeah. Yeah. And oh it is such a gut punch and then you have his phone call with Lurleen. i think her name is Lurleen. sounds about right yeah Yeah, uh anne hathaway's character who was who was married uh to jack twist and she walks him through this what supposedly happened of like he was like got a flat tire and then he was pumping up the tire and then it exploded and it like the hubcap shot into his face and he you know died as a result of that but we see that intercut with scenes of him essentially being for want of a better word lynched yeah yep um being killed because he was a gay man um and it harks back to uh a story that ennis had told earlier in the film Yes, of when he was a young man, yeah. or young, a young, a boy, like nine or ten. Yeah, of uh, a couple, a gay couple that had lived nearby or who were p- probably gay. Yeah, and one of them had been killed and horribly tortured by like by a gang, and he says like his dad took him and his brother out to see the corpse. Yeah, to make sure that yeah. he saw it, and he says like, "Hell, my dad could have been one of the ones who did it." Yeah, yeah, you know, and the and you un uh, like that moment when he's telling that story, you understand why he that character is so closed off with his emotions, why he can't, why Jake Gyllenhaal's character is constantly pushing him, like we could have a life together, we could like we could set up a ranch, we could just it could just be us together. We he's don't a dreamer, need to- he's an idly an yeah. idealist, yeah, yeah, and Ennis is constantly like. No, the world isn't like that. Yeah. You know, because of this, like, incredibly visceral thing that he had seen as, as a kid. And then Jack gets killed in the exact same way. Yeah. And, or, you know, any dreams that they had that somehow they could make some kind of life together and find some kind of happiness are just complete, just collapse. And it's in the, and Anne Hathaway who is great is
2: so businesslike, and you know, they're they, they, given that beautiful performance where she's talking to someone who is basically her husband's actual love, love. yeah. And she's sharing this moment, but also through gritted teeth. It's, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's she's fantastic. she knows
0: that his heart was with Jack, and yeah, and Jack had that connection that she could never have with yeah. Jack, and yeah. it's just this heartbreaking i feel so sorry for her but so sorry for them and it, that's why that film is so good mm. because it's a romantic tragedy exactly yeah. yeah yeah exactly because you feel for every character in in every pulling in every direction i mean like oh maybe they could have had a life together maybe they could have had a life together and yeah like it implies that jack goes on and has an affair with another guy later on as yeah. well in, in, in the intermediary kind of thing she's so like oh we started spending time with another couple yeah blah 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 and you're like Okay, so like he was obviously dealing with the fallout from his, the the lack of relationship that him and Ennis could have, yeah. and That whole thing, yeah. And then it culminating with the scene him going to Jack's parents' house, yeah. And, oh god, the shirts and the, the finding the, no, finding no, the, the shirt. wardrobe, and yeah. Like they're inside each other, like they're cuddling. Oh, no, it's fucking hard. Yeah, then. Oh, and then the end
3: want to cry. And then the ending of the film where it's him in his trailer. And he sees his daughter, who's getting married, mm. and and she goes off, and then he—it's just the shirts again, yeah—and um, the picture of Brokeback
2: Mountain, and it, oh my god, it's so heartbreaking. There's a, a, a bit of a strange thing, but there's a quote from Unforgiven of all things, uh, which is it's a hell of a thing. Killing a man, you take away everything he's got and everything he's going to have, and the idea there, which is true, it's, it's said so many different times in different ways, um, is that we as an audience live in that unspoken hope, like maybe when the camera stops, one day they'll get together. Mm. Maybe it'd be all right. Mm. Maybe it'd be okay. I just don't see it, but it, maybe it's there. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm going to fucking tell you how this ends. Yeah. Everything that could have been because of the society we live in isn't going to happen ever. Yeah. And that's the tragedy. Like Fuck me.
3: And it's it's interesting actually, because I read uh, a comment by Annie Pro who who wrote the... The original short story, sure, Um, or possibly novel. It's a novel. Yeah, but it's a novella. It's a slim book. Yeah. Um, and she said basically like, since she wrote it, and especially since the film came out, she has had people essentially send her fan fiction where it's like, Uh oh, "Oh, I wrote a happy ending for them, Mm. and she's like, like I, I understand it, but I hate it. Yeah, like that's not the story. That's not the and I and and and. I understand that that is the th- that is a common way people well maybe not a common way but it is a way that s- people consume fiction and that you know there yeah. are there is you can go on you know fanfiction.net or archive your own and there's do- hundreds of fix it fix where people are like I didn't like how this ended so I'm going to fix it. You didn't but, like how it ended? Maybe we should make society a better place. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and also like <laughs> it's fine if you want to do that. Don't send that shit to the author because you're yeah. essentially saying. Your book was shit. Your book was bad. And, I, <laughs> yeah. and here I fixed it for you. Um But yeah, it, the whole film is just shot through with tragedy. And and like you say, Jack, it's it's not just that these two characters, because of where they are in society and who they are as people can't be together. It's also that it echoes out into the other relationships yeah. in the films. Yeah. You know, and you feel like michelle williams's character you feel so bad for because she's so clearly in love with ennis and he at the end of the day like is in love with someone else and you think like you know if they if society if they had been able to just like meet each other and fall in love and yeah go off and start their ranch or whatever then yeah she would have had a fiance who you know left her
2: after yeah, it'd be uh, the story of a guy who they were going with, didn't fit, meant someone else. Yeah. The, but because uh, gender and sexuality comes into it, it's much more complicated than the yeah. time setting. and, and like instead it, yeah. she is locked into this unhappy marriage
3: where she knows that he's going off with Jack and, you know, and yeah. It, it makes sense that the, it was always headed for this tragic ending and it underscores all the the points that the film is making about you know society because this was not that long after i mean obviously there have been numerous too numerous to count horrible crimes against oh of course yeah. like lgbt persecution for literally people especially as long as like time. a lot of gay men and and i think it's matthew shepherd who was the teenager who was like horribly um, murdered in the nineties, yeah. essentially yeah. in the same way as happens in this, and in another like rural place. And yeah, it you know it's a film that is, it's both like universal in the things that it is is talking about about, and and a thing that Ang Lee has dealt with several times is that forbidden love or love that kind of can't quite fully express itself in the way that it wants to. Yeah. Um but it is also a like a powerful indictment of just like how we treat gay people and, Entirely. and you and, know.
2: And if anyone's like this is true for something like fucking Game of Thrones all the way to something that's very serious Broken Mountain. If you think it's as bad as it is in fiction, real life is ten times fucking worse. Yeah. I mean it's not always as neat not always as clean and and, and mm-hmm. as succinct in one go but historically people have been horrific to each other yeah utterly um and and the reason that a film like this hits
3: so hard yeah is that you know that it's oh yeah it's dealing with truth
2: yeah precisely um that it is literally just something that people have to genuinely factor in and deal yeah. with in their day lives yeah
3: and and the fact that he dies off screen and a and they 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 Away from each other fits so perfectly in the story. Like, yeah, it would it would be such a different film if it was like the two of them were out together and then they got attacked or something. Can
2: you imagine if it was a Boromir Aragorn? I mean, been really disrespectful. Yeah. second just if you think about it, like, <laughs> like literally, Jack gets beaten up. And then at the last minute, and it runs in. Yeah, get away from him! And yeah. like so then it's like, but it's, but, my it's boy. but it's too late. And yeah, it's, you know. I'm and, sorry, was, and yeah, you know.
3: I'm sure Ang Lee could direct the hell out of it, and they yeah. could act it, but we'll it's be so much more brutal this way. Yeah, precisely. To just get that postcard with the big red stamp on it, yeah. and you're just like, "Oh fuck!" My like. Any chance of this Any being a happy ending is, has yeah, just been gone. ended with yep. this piece of cardboard.
2: That's also, let's be brutally honest, uh, of, of all the ones we're sort of covering today, that's usually the way we, in real life, find out about death. Yeah. It's printed on something. That's a very good point. Someone sends really an, an email or a yeah. phone call or a text. By the way, Uncle so-and-so's dead. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Fuck? Yep. Yeah. Or someone just picks up a phone like you're sitting down. It's like, why? Well, what's happened? It's You don't get to be there. No. You have to do that thing you picture in your head how the, all this yeah. shit happens. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah,
3: yeah. And that's yeah. That's the thing. Like we, we're never entirely sure. Like the scenes that we see
2: of Jack dying. Like, is that just Ennis's worst fear? Precisely. Is it reality? Or is, or is it, it just re- yeah. yeah? So is he? Is he just literally? Worst case scenario, like it was probably this. It's like based yeah. on what and my then, experience in him, and uh, if mm. that
0: if that is the case. So if you interpret it in the way like you kind of hinted at earlier, Tim, like oh, this is probably the more accurate version, mm. or you go the other direction and see like this is Ennis's worst fears manifested essentially in his own mind. Then that's incredibly tragic because the death he has is like some random car accident bullshit, and yeah. it's like yeah, oh my god, and. Time, what you were just saying there, Matt, like that happens to people all the time. Mm. A a friend of mine, her dad, and we're gonna give too many details, it's a very personal story, but like her friend, um, my friend's dad, fell over while he was painting their house, hit his head on their like patio, was never the same again, and died a few years later. Yeah, and like had serious health issues for the rest of his life. And Mm. his life was tragically cut short because he slipped off a ladder, it was as simple as in the backyard. Yeah. Little things like that happen to people all the time. Humans and are remarkably frail. Yeah, mm. yeah. Little things like it, it was—he's like fixing the car, and the hubcap explodes, yeah, yeah. and that kind of thing. Like that happens to people all the fucking time. These little things. Not everyone gets a big fucking Boromir getting hit yeah. with arrows and fighting yeah. for what you truly yeah. believe in, and mm. the last like embrace by your loved ones or whatever. People die of random shit, and there's kind of a beautiful tragedy in that interpretation as yeah. well for *Broken Mountain*, very where. True. Of all the things that have got in their way, whether that's their relationships or their families or society as a whole, mm. a fucking hubcap is the thing that stopped them from truly finding each other. Yeah. Yeah. And somehow that film works brilliantly with both interpretations. Yeah. yeah. And really brings that all that whole thing together and, and culminates in that tragedy, however you interpret it. And that's why it's kind of a
2: fucking masterpiece. No, entirely. Yeah. Entirely. Jack, you better have something fucking upbeat. <laughs> <laughs> I do not. It's not upbeat, goddamn. But
0: it's not especially. It's nowhere near as tragic as that. I would say. Yeah. Um. It's the off-screen death. That as soon as you say off-screen death, I think of this one. It's from one of my favourite films, and we've talked about it because we've covered the directors before. Mm-hmm. Directors, as a little clue, I'm, g- I'm getting into a habit of. Uh, I've done the Safdie brothers for the uncut gems. <laughs> I'm now going to talk about the Cohen brothers. And I'm gonna talk about no country for old men because as mm. I kinda of hinted at just a second ago, that moment where uh Wells, which is uh Tommy Lee Jones's character, finds a body in a motel. And I'm like, huh, that's a weird thing to show. And I'm like, oh it's the Well of Mars. Blah blah blah. blah. Like, Wait a minute, what? Did I miss a scene? I, I assume they got Yeah. Is this some weird like TV edit version or something? What the fuck is going on here? The fact that essentially the main character, played by Josh Brolin, Luella Moss, is just found dead like 40 minutes before the end of the film. You're like, what? And it kind of ties into the Brokeback Mountain thing. It's... He is not killed in this big standoff with Sugar, played by Javier Bardem, this Mm -hmm. terrifying fucking Terminator villain with a silent shotgun and a cow killing gun thing and Mm -hmm. all kinds of horrible fucking this ominous presence and then he just gets caught up in like a Mexican cartel drug deal thing and like I kind of just said, people die of random shootings all the time. They happen to be the wrong place at the wrong time, get caught with a bullet and die. Doesn't particularly happen here in the UK very much. No, not point. In the weird. US. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially like No Country for Old Men, th- that kind of part of the world where it's just nothingness and bleak as far as the eye can see. Frontier shit. Frontier shit, exactly. There's that kind of. Uh, I don't know. Everybody, you really fight. It feels like everybody's fighting for their survival because they're so far away from the safety of civilization, kind of tying back mm-hmm. into uh, Bone Tomahawk in a way there as well. Like it's this tiny little town on the frontier. Granted, no country for old men is is modern times compared yeah. to Bone Tomahawk eighties. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's there's cars and stuff, not and <laughs> less stuff. troglodytes. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, Reagan was president, so yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> but Yeah, it was that moment, and I genuinely had that reaction of like, did I miss something? I don't think I went. Did I, have I forgotten? I went for a toilet break. Like, when did this happen? And I had to, I had that moment, I think I was I can't remember whether I watched it alone or with my parents, and I was like, "Wait a minute, so do I need to go and like look this up afterwards? How does this work?" And the film just kind of moves on, and you're like, "Oh, oh, he's not like particularly integral to this story, but it's this brilliant way that the Coen Brothers have of telling their kind of crime drama kind of stories that they do. They bring really interesting perspectives and to really mundane things and really mundane perspectives to
2: big, tragic, horrible, criminal things. It robs you of the expectation. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. They have this fantastic ability to just, like, turn... Like, The Big Lebowski, for example. There's a death in that film as well. And you're like... Hmm. But there's so much, like, essentially boring shit. There's, like, a bowling dream sequence and (laughs) she talks about a rug and stuff and... It's just typical kind of conversational stuff. You're not expecting a gun to be in this film at all. And of course, Walter's throwing his gun around and stuff. Mm. But I think the Coen brothers do that thing where they they balance expectations and play with expectations, unlike we talked about earlier with Joss Whedon, where anything can happen and it will make sense and it feels valuable in that universe and in that world mm. because they have built this unique take in this unique version of america that they you're kind of just getting a glimpse at in that film and the fact that you're with like i said josh brown's character moss for so long and it feels like he is the one gonna finally work out what's going on with the money and he, he basically has kind of solved it he knows where the money is and all this kind of stuff and sugar eventually gets the money and takes it off to the drug dealers and the whole cartel yeah thing and they're like, oh wow, this is all solved. Yeah, it's all gonna be great. And then nope, he's dead.
2: Well, it's cause he's just like a regular blue-collar working dude. He's a welder. He's, he's a welder and yeah.
0: former Is he a Vietnam vet or I something he's like a vet that? Sorts, yeah. yeah, but he's, the, he's definitely a vet as well. Yeah, the, the
2: key point is that he's not in this world of, of crime. He's just like a man who stumbled across something and could make some money out of it and thought I made a decision, which was like, Yeah, I can get away with this. And you want him to kind of you want him to you see that he's not like you know out for horrible means but he is he is a capable individual, um, and you know he clearly, um, deserves a better life, so you you empathize you go, yeah, I, I want to see him succeed. Not this yep. fucking psycho, as you say, walking Terminator human um, presence, this malevolent force yeah. following him, um, and you don't want the drugs uh, gangs to succeed, the cartels can't succeed because they're the bad guys, literal bad guys. You've seen fucking Sicario. You've seen some Josh Brolin <laughs> Yeah <laughs> vengeance. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean it's it's um it is frustrating because I remember watching the movie and I was like, this is like a fucking five out of five, ten mm, out of ten, yeah. fantastic masterpiece. Yeah.
0: Not that was really unsatisfying, though. Wasn't Something about it? this yeah. has made me yeah. very uncomfortable. I, had the exact I, same I
3: it, it pissed me off so much yeah. when I first saw it. Yeah, it I took me like, a g- year to get into it. Yeah, I, I <laughs> had to go. I had to, I had to let it settle for like three <laughs> years, and then yeah. go back to it. And I was like, okay, no, I think I understand it now. Yeah, yeah I had the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. it's
2: that you don't get this. Why? Fuck you, audience member. Yeah. I'm telling well, the story.
0: That that's the thing. I really like it when creators and writers whether that's films video games novels whatever it is comic books even have the balls to say i am telling this story and you're along for the ride for one of phrase you don't get a say in this like mm. and uh, not to touch on video games for too long but the last of us was a good example of that the sure, final sure. decision that the main character joel makes at the end of the first game without spoiling anything yeah loads of people were like what the fuck no, they can't. They can't end it like that. What the hell is this? It's like, when did you get the illusion of choice in this game? It's not, <laughs> it's not a fucking Mass Effect where you're like hmm. picking, oh, who I want to sleep with, and like, yeah. who's my best friend. This is and my going story. Off, going off on loyalty mm, yeah. missions and stuff like. You are you are a witness to this story, and this is even more true in film because you have you don't have that agency and interactivity that you do with video games. With films, you are along for the ride whether you like it or not, and. Yeah, I was totally right there with you. Tim I was like, "The fuck?
1: That mm. just
0: Josh Brolin was great. What the fuck is this? Yeah, you can't do that." And then the fact that they had, pretty much, had the balls to do it and be like, and the film carries on and it's still fucking spectacular. Like, mm. ah, you still got me a bloody coins. And you,
3: you kind of don't get an end for any of the main characters. Nope. Yeah, because
2: it's just all, nope, Tommy Lee Jones musing on things. Yeah. yeah. You're like, huh? Him like
0: him mumbling about stuff, and Chico yeah. just kind of wanders off after a car crash yeah. with a yeah. broken arm, and you're like, what is this ending? <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: One of my it, top it's five bleak as hell. Yeah. One of my top five favorite songs, uh, segue, is I Want You, She's So Heavy by The Beatles. Mm. Um and it's 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 the last song on Abbey Road, and it goes on and it becomes this very much beautiful march of this melodic droning down and over and over and over it's great and it's anthemic and you almost be hypnotized into it and they kept trying to figure out how do we just stop this and said you know how do we run out and it's like snip just cut off the end it just yeah. ends abruptly mm. so much so that when the first printings or press came out of the vinyls they're like oh it must be my mind must be broken i must be i missed the mm. ending of the song or the ending of the album mm. it's like no that's how it ends just mm. th- yeah just stops yeah um and Obviously, imitators have tried it and fucked it up horribly. Um, with the Coen brothers, when you, that's, why, that's the thing with me watching this movie. I knew it was intentional. I knew it wasn't a complete cock-up. I knew there was something in there I wasn't happy with. And I, I'd seen other things doing the same sort of thing as well. It was just the fact that I was so invested. It's like, yeah, that's how life is. Mm. You're invested, and you have expectations, mm. and it's not satisfying. Yeah. What, 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 we're telling the story here. And we're going to stop it when we want to stop it. We're going yeah. to show you what we want to show. We're so, back I mean, to the, the end of The Sopranos. Precisely. They did the same thing, I think, in um, Boardwalk Empire with Charlie Cox's character where they were going to film this whole big fight scene and all this sort of stuff. And they had elements of it, apparently, but the the set was like flooded or something. That one of the nights mm. like, oh, we haven't got time to build it. Fuck it. We'll do a dramatic reveal. What do you mean? Well, in the episode with them opening like a crate, like what's this container? And just his body and they're like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> and just, you know, the main character screaming You're "Like holy shit, <laughs> <laughs> what?" Yeah. Two scenes ago, he was like going into that <laughs> bathhouse. It's like, yeah, and this is his coming out of that. Fuck. And you, you know, yeah, yeah. So I, I think inside. Uh, what well, about us? This is my problem. When I read on the show notes what Jack had written down, mm. I read it as inside Lewin Davis. And I thought, oh yeah, that cat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's tragic. That is tragic. But um, a question mark on that one. Yeah. So to
0: to briefly wrap up the uh, no country of All men stuff, the difference in the book is interesting. So. You have um Bell go off and try and identify the body in the hospital, so you get yeah. he gets the phone like Moss's wife and bell the which is the the sheriff Tommy Lee Jones's character, get the call from the like a, the morgue saying like we think we have your colleague, your husband, you need to come and identify this body, and there's that moment where you're not sure in the book and Cormac McCarthy being probably my favorite writer, like an absolute masterclass in storytelling and tension and mm. all that kind of stuff. I've talked about how much I love The Road before on this show. Um, he's just brilliant with that kind of stuff and playing with the expectations of the ca- the characters going into it and how the reader is relating to those characters and, and just breaking down all of those walls and stuff. And it is a different moss still dies but it's handled in a very different way yeah and i think the coen brothers did that in a way to make it more more of a shock and more of a kind of subversion in the cinematic sense because I mean, we we're s- talking about it now yeah it's memorable for a reason yeah. yeah yeah i saw it 10 years ago and it was it as soon as we said off-screen deaths was like i know the one i want yeah instantly and it's that kind of We've seen the going to the body to... Sorry, going to the morgue to identify the body so many times. Go to the hospital, oh, they have to pass away kind of thing. In TV shows and movies, millions of times. The fact that they did something different, it's just like, it's in a motel and it was Mexican drug dealers. Wow.
2: Okay. There's a weird, just as a parallel, it's a relevant one. Obviously, The Godfather's full of awesome death scenes. Yep. I was tempted to put it in lots of different categories, but I had my own choice. You could just things. have The Godfather for all three. Feasibly, yeah. <laughs> <genuine>. <laughs> in the book, the very opening scene with um, The Undertaker, um, or, or the Mortician, I should say, and... Uh, Not the like, wrestler. No. <laughs> uh, well, depends if you cast him. Mm. Um, and you know he goes to, to Don Vito Corrione and he says, um, yeah, I want these boys dead. Like I can't do, but I'll do something should have come to me in the first place rather than go to the police. Tell you what, I'm going to take care of this for you. And one day, and this day may never come, I'm going to come to you and ask for a favor." And you're like, oh, fuck. I'm in the pocket now. Shit. And then he calls him and says, right, you. Time to fill the favor. He's like, oh, Jesus Christ. What is he going to do? What's going to make him kill a guy? What, what is this? What is, what, what's it going to be? Is he going to kill him? Oh, Jesus. He comes in and he pulls back the sheet and says, Basically, look how they massacred my boy. It's it's the it's the mm. oh shit, Sonny's dead. Mm. Um, but in the film, you see all of that shit, and it mm. it flows differently. And I think both would work powerfully, but I think this uh, the film version was better. So it's the, it's the it's the director of an adaptation choosing how to show it, um, which is fascinating. Yeah, Matthew, culminate in our final death,
0: Mister Stockton.
2: So I had a lot of thoughts with off screen. Um, and I settled in a strange place. You often do. My pick is The Seventh Seal, which is one of the most deathy death films you can Literally have. has death
0: in it. Yeah. Um, not in a Bill and Ted kind of way. Although... Kind of in a Bill and Ted yeah,
2: kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the death in Bill and Ted is 100%, 100% based yeah, yeah. on the death in this. Yeah. um, On Ben... Erkortor, his name is. Um, Sudden Seals from 1957. And it is uh, one of those very iconic black and white movies. Although it's very 50s, it feels very 60s and experimental new wave stuff. And it's from Sweden. And uh, Antonius Block is a uh, crusading knight played by Max von Stahl, because he's that fucking old. Um, he's He doesn't seem that
0: young in this film. <laughs> he looks old there too. And it was 65 years ago. Yeah. I'm like... How old was Max von Sydow yeah. when he... Because he passed away fairly recently. Yeah. And it's like,
2: he was in films for like 60 years. Yeah. What an incredible career Max I von Sydow had. Insanely awesome actor. He's great. So he plays a knight and he is coming back from the Crusades to his home um, with, his, with his squire. And as he washes up on the beach, he sees death and says, right, I've heard from time to time you uh, can play chess and you grant a reprieve. And chess goes, no, chess. And Death says, eh, yeah, sure. It always ends the same way, but sure. And he says, well, well I'm going to fucking trick you, dickhead. Um, and he says, fine, we'll continue our game. And then he hopes it, I, say, I just want to get back home to my wife. That's all I need to do. going to get home. Um, and he does. Uh, And he journeys off. And as he gets back through from the Crusades, it's one of those nonsense fantasy things where it's like, the Crusades, but there's also a plague. It's like, that doesn't work time-wise. He says, shut the fuck up. He's talking to Death and playing chess. <laughs> what about this is real? <clears throat> And he, ex- he sort of sees the various types. It's almost like you know Chaucer's tale in a weird way. But you see the various walks of life. Uh, you know, he goes to a tavern and sees people praying and different things. And death is sweeping through the streets. And his his you know squire is asking for directions from mm. a corpse. And it's like oh no, oh I better leave that one on. <laughs> um, and parallel to this, in the various ragtag of people of, who are going back to this this lord's estate uh, where, where the knight lives. There's also Yoff and his family, and Yoff is fucking annoying. Um, Yoff is just a really nice, innocent um, entertainer. He's in a caravan with his wife and very young toddler, and they perform basically. Um, And he has a second sight. He's a very innocent individual. He's he's like, oh, I've had a great vision. I saw like. Uh, you know the mad the Madonna the, the the mother of Jesus walking with a baby toddler and everything's gonna be all right now. Like, you're a fucking idiot and you see bullshit and you're annoying. No, no, I've got the gift. Oh, I'm lovely. <laughs> fucking you know. And he's also a fucking mime slash acrobat, juggler guy. So he's he's quite irritating. Fuck mimes. Precisely. <laughs> so the cynical other side is Block, um, and we follow him and his story. Like, oh yeah, stop telling us about Yoff being so fucking silly. Um and he's always like trying to outsmart death. So he goes to confession and says, hey, hey, priest, I've been talking to death. And he says, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What well, he doesn't know is I've got his rook in two moves. And he says, oh, it's very interesting. Pulls back the thing and it's death. And they're like, ah, motherfucker. <laughs> um, he also then, uh, there's a, like the closer he gets to home and he realizes he's definitely gonna lose his game. He tries to knock over the board. Like, oh no, don't worry. I remember everything it was. Like, you piece of shit. Um, th- there are so many aspects to it that's quite playful and silly, but, but also very sincere and, and, uh, the, the futility of trying to avoid death and that Block is like, no, I fought in the Crusades. I got home. I'm going to get to my wife. It's me, fine. Mm. All these people with me, you can't touch them people. Mm. They're with me. They're my people. This little mute girl, she's with me. These fucking people from the bar, they're my people. I'm Because obviously the classic night mindset, of, you know, these are my kin. Whereas Yoff's just like a happy fucking go lucky idiot. Um, and then to partly ruin the story. Block 65 year old spoilers. Yeah. Block gets home and his wife's there. And you're like, hey, come in, everybody. There's a storm coming. It's already horrible outside. Yeah. And they're sort of aware of what's happening. And Block's like, yeah, death's coming for us. But uh, I don't know what's going to happen. And Joff and his family are hiding in a caravan. And then you're like, shit, this is it. I've been waiting this whole fucking movie. I want to see them die. Death has been like, they tried out smart death. He's like, look, sorry, mate. This is how it is. I come for you. That's it. Everybody begs. Everybody says, I want to go. More time. That's not how it works. Well, how is it? Work? Who gets to say who lives and dies? This is a... No, 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 no. We're not going to have this. And it goes through all the <laughs> stages of denial and grief and all the things. And then there's a knock at the door and it's death. You don't see death anymore. It's almost like death is transformed from the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the actor to a... Wraith like shadow you don't see off just behind the camera, effectively. And it's almost like, don't answer the fucking door. And then all of a sudden, they're all quite quiet and they stand up and it's almost POV. Uh, and they look towards the camera and they're all sort of struck by this image. They all see death for the first time because only mm. Block has seen death. Um, so we don't know if it's the same representation or whatever it happens to be. And they introduce themselves. Just, hello, this is so-and-so. This is my wife. And, and then it passes over everybody and finally gets the little mute girl and she finally says something. And then the next morning, Yoff wakes up. Oh, what a storm. It's like the angel of death was passing over. It's like, shut up, Yoff. You're being, an- <laughs> Just get, mm-hmm. some, get some food for, for the kid. Um, it's, it's a very, very uh, patient wife. And then he sees on the hill, because there are paths across at one point, and he's like, you should come back with us. And he says, no, 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 I'm fine. I'll be fine in my caravan. Mm. Because Joff is arguably a good person and stayed away through these things. And he sees the dance macabre. Dance macabre meaning, you know, the dance of death. Mm. And this old Latin medieval depiction of what death looks like. And it's kind of beautiful and kind of twisted and kind of weird. Basically, as it's always been depicted in old like uh, murals on the walls and like in, uh, engravings and embossed stuff in mm. like churches and stuff, it's usually skeletons or um, you know very very gaunt figures mm. holding hands, kind of skipping. Yeah. And on the hill line, almost in silhouette, in the front is Death in his cowl with a big mm. white face, and behind him are the the all the members of the cast we've seen in the in the previous thing. Mm. And they're all sort of kind of dancing and that's sort of like, it's kind of that they're thrashing in a weird way. Mm. Like they're caught in a current in water. And so they're sort of like bopping around like but t- holding hands. Yeah. But it doesn't look, there's no music, it's just, it's just going to it. It's, it's a very strange, surreal thing to see and he goes, oh, I think I saw the night from the other night, that sort of thing. It's like, no, well, let's just carry on with them. Be, be grateful we're, we're safe and all that mm. sort of stuff. Let's be, let's be, you know. And he muses on life because it's your, that's how you just how he exists, really. But that weird thing where you like get to the house, death arrives, you expect to see something. Are they gonna fall over? Are they gonna get stabbed? Is he mm. gonna have like a scythe? Is do they, they walk a off into final a, destination style? Is picked off? Once yeah, specific orders. Ah, you put boiling water in there and ice, fool crack. Now I've got a trail <laughs> to set you on fire. Yep. What? Yeah. um. And you just see the I'm that th- then being carted off to the to whatever the afterlife is. So this is mm-hmm. one of those things where it's like a very strange, sort of different one to, to both the ones you guys have brought up respectively. Because you literally have death. In mm. it. You have death arriving and death taking them away, but you don't see the act of it. Yeah. Because it means nothing. Um so yeah, it's it's a weird one to uh, to bring up because again I was it's like, okay it is drawn out because the whole film was about it it's sudden because you don't it just happens yeah but it's also off screen because <laughs> you don't see it it's a, it's a yeah it's a masterpiece is what it is but um yeah it's, it's thankfully it's not unsatisfying it's not ambiguous like with the uh, Mountain mm-hmm. for better or worse it's not that initial gripe of oh I just wanted to see yeah it's just almost like death I guess in real life that sort of um that sense of this is out of your fucking hands this Mm. is what it is how you deal with it is up to you
0: almost like you touched on earlier with the soprano side of things like yeah if you experience death perhaps you don't know what exactly happened to you and if there is an afterlife and that's a thing then you would have that moment where you're suddenly dead you know oh shit okay hey death how's it going? Yeah, we're off now, like off to yep. of the afterlife. Mm. There's that moment where there's no clear transition, and I think that plays into yeah. our lack of understanding because you can't really uh, understand how. We have death lots works. of those.
2: I've been clinically dead for three minutes, and like, yeah. cool. I don't, I'm not dismissing what you mm. saw with the. But there's also like light and a tunnel and yeah. stuff. And but yeah. you came, like about the wording, came you came back. Yeah. So technically. I don't want to invalidate it, but unless you've been dead for a year, <laughs> it's one of those hard things to gauge, of like even and then. Al- and it's also now your living
3: brain interpreting the that yep. experience. Yes. Yeah. From like,
0: I don't remember most of my dreams, or if I mm. even have dreams every night and I just don't yes. forget them, or if I just don't dream sometimes. Yeah. Your brain tries to make sense of nonsense yeah. and is, is entirely interpreting everything. Mm. Nothing is just a straight, truthful, factual thing happening to you and experiencing everything is interpreted through your brain and the the chemicals and the neurons that are firing around in Mm. your brain Mm. trying
2: to make sense of the world around you and all this kind of stuff which is exactly why this keeps coming up in film yeah if i say to you describe green to me and don't use any words or sounds just use your hands it's like what the fuck are you talking about (laughs) do i get to write down no no no. just is the thing Jack is now trying. Um, <laughs> Jack looked like he was sort of describing a belly dancer. It was yeah. interesting. Um, I guess maybe grass skirt. But the point is there that, um, you, that we give ourselves tools to convey these things to each other, whether it's language or art, whatever it happens to be. Except this is a thing we don't actually fully understand collectively. We have, our, we have theories and mm. ideas and observable fact. But it's not like so clear that everyone goes, yeah, that is a universal Evident truth oh, that yeah, everyone has that. s works. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's it. the afterlife problem solved. Mm. Yeah. Bing, bing, bing. <laughs> Done. Um, so we end up saying, well, I need something to convey some way of how I feel about this. And that's why we keep coming back to this in a flippant way where it's like, oh shit, <laughs> goddamn bad guys. Or if it's something brutal or something emotional, we will always end up here with like, I need to talk about this. And you either have a thing where you're saying, I've got a film and I've got a cool story and I feel like I want this character to just go away or just problem solve, bang, death. Or alternatively, I need to talk about death and I don't need to be obvious. <laughs> I'm going to figure out how I can do this. Yeah. Well, on that
0: very deep and metaphysical note, that wraps us up on a discussion of death. Do you have any favourite deaths or particularly <laughs> harrowing deaths? You. My favourite death was John from down the road. It was a piece of shit? I'm glad he's dead. In the history of cinema, Matthew, not just people down the road. That was John... Totoro. I was going to say Totoro as well. Yeah. Some God yeah. damn, the Batman. The Batman. <laughs> <laughs> John Totoro is not dead at time of recording. Now, we said his name out loud. He might be by the time this comes out. We have that power sometimes. Podcasts have that power sometimes. But yes, please do let us know on social media and discord and all that kind of things you can find us we are sequelizers on all the social media there's links to the discord and all the social media all the podcast platforms all the stores for all the merch and all that kind of stuff if you go to sequelizers.com nice little hub of information for everything you could possibly want and we'll be having merch coming out very very soon i finalized some designs for some upcoming merch the other day talking to the designers in the shop there that's very exciting i know john is working on something for us as well more live streams, exciting stuff in the near future. And thank you for joining us on the interseason. It's always a lot of fun. If you'd like to follow me on social media, I am JLW Chambers on everything. Matthew, how can people follow you?
2: Stocks, S-T-O-G-H-Z. You can go to the redrighthand.co.uk to see my reviews. You can go to dot to see the things that I make. You can also check the BBG Wrestling channel for sumo drop to check out all my sumo coverage. Tim, uh, when you die I will uh, read through a, a, a collection of your musing and thoughts. Where, where will you be keeping these? If I die, turn my tweets into a book uh, <laughs> and you can find them
3: at trivia underscore lad on Twitter uh, where uh, they are they, live. Rarely, they rarely dwell on death and more likely <laughs> dwell on horny cinema <laughs> Oh, <laughs>
0: Living up to your reputation there, Tim. Exactly. We don't call you morbid, Tim. We call you horny, Tim. Listen,
3: listen. Freud said there were two two major forces in the human psyche. I don't care about the death one. (laughs) Death (laughs) and Tim.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Thank you for support. If you do support us on Patreon, and if you're unable to support us on Patreon, you can go and review us on your podcast app of choice. We would very, very much appreciate that. It helps kind of share the show and spread the good word and all that kind of stuff. I know Spotify has introduced that recently. You can do five-star reviews on there now, which is very exciting. they have been holding off on that for many years. And we will be back next week with season 10. My God. Some dumb death shit in this one. They're, fucking hell. Yeah, oh, we, yeah. we're going to be talking about some dumb death shit. Weirdly enough, hinted at earlier on in this episode. Oh, Bone
2: Tomahawk too.
0: <laughs> 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 the 8th <eighth> seal. De- <laughs> Deputy Nick is back with a vengeance. With his... He's trying okay. to together. together, yeah. The uh, yeah. uh, yeah. uh, yeah. uh, well, not- fucking end. <laughs> That's death for you. <laughs> See you next week, folks.